I like the, the simplicity of running around. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, come on. <laughs> a minute, one hour, 25. <laughs> Let me go ahead and bookmark that so I can edit that. Um, <laughs> Yo, what's good? It's your boy, Sopri706. This is KTSE app episode. I just had it up two seconds ago. I think like 61 or 62. It really doesn't matter. Check us on the Apple Podcast SoundCloud. Uh, we don't do nothing. We just kick it. Uh, we have Marcus Sniffles as special guest host, one of our, our favorites from Twitter, Mr. Aloski. What's good? Oh, I'm very excited. Very excited to have the, <laughs> have the Twitter guy here on, us, on the podcast with us right now. Mostly, what's good, man? Man, I'm just chilling. You want my Sunday off? I know, I know how that feels. But that's that's definitely a good feeling. Definitely subscribe on YouTube. Uh, drop a comment, all that fun stuff. But I want to get right into it. We had another uh, loss this year with regards to hip hop. Uh, Biz Marquis uh, died at the age of 57. Uh, critically known, or he was known for the song, you know, Sage Just a Friend. That's one of those things that crossed over from hip-hop to kind of the mainstream like i feel like if you start humming that song or humming the melody like anybody white black old young will probably know what you're talking about so that was definitely a, a big loss in the hip-hop community uh he had a decade-long battle with type 2 diabetes according to uh, rollingstone.com and it kind of sucks man it's like one of those things that <clears throat> is kind of in your control i know one of them well i'm not a doctor but Anyways, I feel like that's something you could have a little bit more control of. <clears throat> 57 is not old by any means. So um, definitely take care of yourselves and uh, stay out there and be healthy, man. Yeah, I, I do remember people uh, kind of clowning. Who who was it? Was it Ghostface? There was someone from Wu-Tang. They started like a, a veggie smoothie bar and like people were kind of clowning. Like, why are you doing that? You know, are you broke? Are you, you need money? Are you desperate or something like that? And it's just like... Hey man, once you get a little bit older, you start hitting your 40s and 50s, this health stuff really starts to matter. It, well, it should matter regardless, but especially if you've lived the life that they've lived coming up. Like, I don't know what Bismarck he was getting into, but you can kind of look at him and kind of tell, like, oh, he was getting after it. Like, he wasn't yeah, he just. He wasn't the most healthy guy. He wasn't like going on tour and going back to the hotel room. Like, he was out here, out here. So, you know, take care of yourselves out here. Yeah, that's mad corny. Cause like if you, I when I lived in uh, New Jersey, shit, uh, Styles P and uh, Jada could have juice bars in New York. You know, that's so like, Yeah. So that's I don't know why that's nothing to be laughed about. Like that's I, I said this on Twitter. I think I might have said it on here before, but like the black community's like idea of what like good eating is and and kind of our diet is like literally the worst things you can eat of all time. Like. This wasn't a topic, but let's get into it real quick. So, like, all right, so the typical black uh, diet, right, or meal is, like, shit, fried chicken, macaroni and cheese, you know what I'm saying, cornbread, a big old glass of sugary Kool-Aid, you know what I'm saying, pies, <laughs> all kinds of taste. And I'm like, bruh, that's literally, like, a 3,000-calorie meal with zero nutrition, right? But let a young brother say, you know what? Hey, man, I want to get this grilled chicken sandwich. You know what I'm saying? A little salad or something like that. Get my protein up. And you could look at like you're some sort of coon. Like you're like your tap dance is like, nah, bro, I'm trying to live, bro. Like, I'm not saying you can't not eat those things, but moderation is key. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I said this on Twitter a while ago. I couldn't tell you the last time I had a glass of Kool Aid, bro. 
Like Kool Aid has got to be like one of the biggest <laughs> detriments to the black community. <laughs> Says crack. Like you're literally drinking colored sugar, like a big old glass of just pure sugar. And I know how I used to make Kool Aid. No nutrition value. <laughs> Half a bag of sugar, two cups of water, and the powder. Bruh, that's what you're drinking syrup, dog. Like you might as well be drinking purple drink. Like it's got the same health effect. At least you'll feel a little cool when drinking syrup. But yeah, man, we gotta do better, man. Shout out to shout out to Styles P and Jada Kiss for doing that. Uh, but yeah, RIP to him. I don't want to say that too long. What I do want to jump on is these Hawks fans. I've been on the rampage for the last like, <laughs> three or four episodes about these Hawks fans. Like, oh, yeah. get over yourselves. Get over it. Like, like Elsa on Frozen One. You gotta let it go. You gotta let it go. Like, I still see people putting out tweets talking about, "Oh, this should have been the Hawks." Posting a picture of that referee. Oh. Why is he still out here? Why is he still alive? Oh, a fully healthy team. Hawks seem to be beating all these teams. Guess what? You didn't, and you're not there. You're at home watching the game like the rest of us. And this goes back to my argument. If Trey Young is healthy enough to help Team USA win exhibition games, why was he not healthy enough to beat a Giannis-less Bucks team and arguably the biggest game in his career? Make it make sense. You can't have it both ways. Giannis out here having his knee bent backwards, out here putting up 40 points, like dropping buckets on people, making like historic blocks and dunks. But you're talking about Trey Young, who had a bone bruise, can't come out here and be the Giannis-less Bucks team? Stop. The Hawks are right where they need to be, and that's at home, watching the game. And all y'all going to do is complain and tweet, like blame Lloyd Pierce. I saw they won the other day. I see Lloyd Pierce getting no credit. No credit for no win, but let them lose the game. It's like, oh, Lloyd Pierce. Oh, because Lloyd Pierce, that's my <laughs> Slighted Trey Young. I'm like, shut up, man. Do y'all not see yourselves? Y'all are ridiculous. Y'all make me sick. That's all I got, man. I mean, you know, it's crazy, though. Last night after the Bucks game, I saw somebody tweet, the Hawks should have been here. And I was like, bro, what? Mental. Like, that made – it made zero sense because the Bucks beat the Sun. So, who – who on the Hawks is beating or stopping Giannis? Because ain't nobody on the Suns stopping Giannis. Well, well, well let, let's let's run it back though. It the Hawks had a chance to beat the Bucks without Giannis two times. One time at home, and they couldn't do it. <laughs> You're telling me the team that couldn't beat Chris Middleton, a nigga that spells Chris with a K? Y'all think y'all could hang with the Suns? <laughs> That's what you're trying to tell me? Like, don't 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 sell me a, don't sell me that man. Like these. These Hawks fans are kind of being ridiculous. Like, oh, we should have been there. And it's like, all right, so if James Harden and Kyrie Irving are still healthy, like, you guys are good enough to beat them healthy? Like, you guys couldn't beat Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton, who's a good player, but he's not, like, a star guy. Like, he's not a star. Don't tell me you could beat the Suns. Like, get get out of here. We should be here. You guys should have been here if you could, if you could beat Chris Middleton. <laughs> Yeah, it, it don't make no sense. It, it don't make no sense. Yo, what's up? That's a jazz. What's, what's good? Except oh, everybody. We're about to put out the link, so retweet it when I put it out. Put it. Um, yeah, somebody tweeted out the fact that the Hawks were two picks away from drafting Giannis and Booker in 2013 and 2015, respectively, is so Atlanta sports. Like, y'all, y'all do this to yourselves. All no one would have known that. No one would have known that had I'm to be. I'm, I'm not, but of course, that's one thing. Like the, the brand for Atlanta sports is like self loathing, pain, regret. It's just piss poor behavior, man. 
man. It's very unbecoming of adults. And I wouldn't be surprised if these same adults were the ones that stole Falcons kicker Youngway Koo's Jeep. Yikes. Yeah, I had just like, seen bro, that a, a couple hours ago. I'm just saying, that's the type of energy that's in that city, man. Like, there, nobody can be happy. There's no peace. Like, y'all, got, y'all are the strip club capital of the world, and y'all are miserable all the time. Those two things shouldn't go together. Strip clubs, great food. You know what I'm saying? What well, the teams all kind of suck, but I mean, you got strip clubs. You get <laughs> wings, so you're good. But they just can't have a good time. They can't enjoy yeah. themselves. That's pretty much it. But like, if if we can stay on on the NBA playoffs a little bit more, like I said this at the beginning of the playoffs when the final started, I said, uh, no matter what happens in this series, like Chris Paul is a top five point guard. Like wherever you have Chris Paul historically, he's not going to move. If they lose. Tuesday, or if they win and then lose in seven or win in seven, no matter what, Chris Paul is cemented. But I think a lot of people are going to realize and start to see because he's on a bigger stage and everybody's watching that he is one of the dirtiest players ever. He is a dirty player. He takes a lot of cheap shots. I, in my uh, book, he's the dirtiest player in basketball history for me. So uh, I, I picked the Suns to win in six, and that's obviously not going to happen, so I've changed my pick to Suns in seven. Um, but if the Suns happen to lose, it's a win-win for me because then I can start pushing my Steph Curry agenda some more about him being the uh, greatest point guard ever. So it's a win-win for me. So I'm not mad about what happens here. I didn't bet any money on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I mean, did you see that dunk that Giannis had? I did, you see what Chris Paul, did you see what Chris Paul did? That was not a Very basketball play. Foul. Not a basketball play, Chris Paul. You're six foot. That man is six nine with like seven three arms. What were you going to? What were you trying to do besides hurt him? <laughs> like I don't understand Chris why he's a dirty player. Like why are you trying to get away? Yeah, man. Like I know I don't know if posters are still a thing, but maybe there's like NFT posters that they're selling. That's, yeah, that's Chris, probably Chris Paul is Chris Paul is too busy getting put in a torture chamber by Drew Holiday, and now you want to go up and try to block Giannis? Deal with Drew. Deal with the nigga that spells Drew with a J. Like this is who you guys are losing to: Drew with a J and Chris with a K. Leave it alone. It it, it this. Then you know what? You know who they're gonna blame, right? Uh, <laughs> you, know who gonna, you know who they're gonna blame? They're gonna blame your boy, LeBron James. <laughs> For showing up to game, showing up to game five with a bottle, with a bottle of that yak under his seat, rooting on his guy Chris Paul, and then Chris Paul got put in the torture chamber by Drew fucking Holiday. They're gonna blame this on LeBron. Come on, that you watch. Skip Bayless is gonna find a way. So uh, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. We're if you're listening to this podcast, if you look at the descriptions, uh, this episode uh, title or topic is gonna be hell out of order. But Marcus brought up a good point talking about uh, our Lord and Savior, LeBron James. <laughs> um, I've seen, and again, I really have no no horse in this race uh, with regards to Space Jam 2. Um, apparently, a lot of adults are getting their Cisco and Ebert on, uh, giving their professional, quote-unquote, professional reviews on a children's movie. Um, full disclosure, you can check my tweets. I think the original Space Jam is trash, and I have no desire to watch this one. So I, I really had nothing to say except that, like, people were, I guess, defending. I don't know. Like, they were Ollie defending the fact that other adults thought the movie was trash. And, like, I don't know why you feel you need to do or say anything. Like, there's other 
good stuff on like Naomi Osaka doc or the good doctor. You can watch that on Hulu. Um, there's all kinds of other shit you can watch, but this is one of those things where I, I think it's one of those things where people, it might be, it's weird. Cause like people hate LeBron right on Twitter. But then when it comes to space jam too, it's like, Oh, well no, it's a kid's movie. You shouldn't be watching this. It's for the kids and kind of like came for LeBron. It's like a weird dynamic going on with that whole thing. But I don't know if you guys watched it. I didn't. I'm probably not going to watch it. I had no desire to watch it. Um, I was probably going to get y'all's uh, commentary on things surrounding Space Jam. Oh, uh, yeah. I watched it. I watched it with my uh, my two kids and my niece, ages five, five, and three. Uh, they liked it. Uh, I I was, I mean, it was fine. It had some funny parts. It was, it's, like, it's, it's okay. Like, if you're a parent, you kind of know what it's like to sit down to watch a kid's movie. Like, but this was a kid's movie with a basketball player, with basketball players that I know. But this is a kid's movie. It's not the greatest movie I've ever seen. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen. But the commentary around it is pretty ridiculous. Like, I think on the Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp show, they were talking about how does this movie affect LeBron's legacy? Space Jam 2, a movie. How does this affect his legacy? Well, let me jump in real quick. So I did notice, I saw a tweet, I don't know if it's accurate, but when he was at the game with the uh, tequila brand that he is uh, sponsoring or whatever, uh, they were saying he was wearing Air Force Ones and that I believe they said he, wear, he wore Air Force Ones throughout the movie. So if that's correct, that is kind of that is kind of weird considering you have your own signature line of shoes. Well, it, it is a com- it is a commercial. It's a commercial for Warner Brothers. It's a commercial for LeBron. It's a, I think it's a, a recruitment pitch for some of the players that are in the movie, like Damian Lillard's in it, Clay Thompson's in it. It's something to get a little bit of dialogue going. Like there's some there's some stuff there's some whispers around Dame Lillard about him wanting to be out of Portland. So you know this yeah, comes yeah, out. As, as it- as it should, but I don't understand why you have your own signature shoe when you're wearing Air Force Ones. Like that doesn't that's very strange. But I guess coming from LeBron, it's not strange because like even in uh, a couple of finals games he's been in back in the day, he wouldn't ever he doesn't wear his own shoes. Like he'll wear like team LeBrons, but he will never wear his own signature shoe to play. There's been I'm sure he has, but there's been incidents where he's been playing the LeBron soldiers versus his own signature line. So I don't know, like, I don't know how you make a shoe and don't like it, you know what I'm saying? But, like, Jordan for sure was getting that, <laughs> wearing them J's in the movies and, you know what I'm saying? Like, that that was that is part of his legacy because that's that's where the Space Jam Jordans came from. Like, that is a that is a big part of Jordan's legacy as far as with the sneakers. And I've said this before with the whole LeBron James, Jordan sneaker, LeBron James, Jordan conversation, period. Until people start shooting other people for LeBron James's sneakers, I don't. I don't ever want to hear them put in the same conversation, ever. Period. Like nobody's trying to die over some Lebrons. There are people ready to die over Jordans right now. Maybe not as much as like a couple of years ago, but the, the sediment still stands. Like this. Yeah, LeBron James shoes are really not a thing. Like I got a couple pair, but it, very few and far between. I I clearly have way more Jordans than Lebrons, but that's that's kind of a tangent. But Air Force Ones, that's just weird. There's mad other shoes you could have picked to wear besides Air Force. Like people don't even hoop in Air Force Ones. Like that, those are used for stomping people's chest in. Like I don't, I don't get it. But that's 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 the uh, the the savior in the NBA right there. I mean, I'm trying to think about it. I watched both movies today. I was gonna say maybe he didn't wear because of a licenses issue, but Nike, there was Nike checks all over the movie. Yeah, that's, so. that that's weird. 
Why wouldn't you? Why would you want to promote your own shoe to a bunch of kids? That's the prime place to wear. There's there is a Space Jam too. Um, he's got some uh, Tomb Squad LeBron thirteen lows. So there was like a a shoe specifically for this movie that he put out a while ago. So that was an easy kill to wear them shoes. So I I don't know, that maybe there's something. Maybe it's deeper than rap, but I'm I'm kind of you know somebody that's in that 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 life that I'm kind of confused why that was done. But, but they they also did cater to. Um, kids a little bit older, like the the Fortnite online gaming community type kids. Like if you're if your kid is into Fortnite and playing games like that, then they'll like this movie too. Like there's a lot of the video game element aspect to it. So I mean that he's doing what any popular athlete would do. Like when you're the most popular athlete, like put out a movie to sell some push some product. Like push product on kids. Everybody like. If Damian Lillard could push his own move, like why he's got like rap albums, he's got he's in commercials, like push your product. That's what LeBron's trying to do. He's trying to be a billionaire. This is some of the things that, that you have to do. I think he I think he tried to do a little too much in the uh the acting. Like I think he tr- they tried to have some moments in there that he just he just couldn't he just couldn't reach the uh the moment as an actor, but you know, that's just part of uh, LeBron James not being able to carry a team on his own. Like, they had a pretty <laughs> uh, large deficit in this movie. And once again, LeBron James had to join a team up with a dream team to be able to win anything of any significance. And that's why LeBron James is not better than Michael Jordan, because he can't win the big one on his own. It's embarrassing. So, I mean, take that how you will. I mean, also, too, Michael Jordan realized – Early in his career, that it was time to come home as far as with his uh, <laughs> oh situation. my goodness, <laughs> and Le- LeBron James like every off season like remixes what he's doing to his hair, and we're not buying it because as soon as you step on the court and get to sweating a little bit, it's just a rat <laughs> dog. Like, come home, bro. <laughs> like, no, there was like, there bro. was one part. There was one part in this movie where he was like on the bench and he hung his head down low. Immaculate. I don't know how much they paid for yeah, that. CGI. They did suck to some shell, some cell shading. They sprayed it on. That wig was perfect. No, that man. They, they had a Marvel budget. Crispy. They had a Marvel budget for that hairline. I was like, who is this? And where's? How does he have all this hair? Hey, let it looks it go. so good. Hey, I guarantee once he stops like actively playing basketball, he's he's gonna have a full set of hair. Like he's gonna go on the uh, Deion Sanders program, but. <laughs> yeah, man, we were sweating all that shit, dog. Like you gotta, maybe you come. Nah, never mind. I was gonna say something problematic. I'm not gonna say that. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that shit is is out of control. But kind of transitioning to the problematic. Uh, I know the Delta variant's been out here. <clears throat> I think I talked about this maybe last week or at some point. But I'm fully vaccinated. But I think I'm probably gonna go start wearing a mask again because this shit is people are getting stupid, man. Like. People start washing their hands. People be coughing everywhere, touching all kinds of shit. Um, in, in the great state of Georgia, where I, I unfortunately hail from, where we never have anything good happen to us. Uh, apparently, there is a young man, 24 years old, from Gwinnett County, who has now been in the ICU for more than three months after contracting COVID. Um, he's like, yeah, you know, I don't want anybody to go through this. But, you know, he's clearly not he's not vaccinated. He's like, yo, I wish I got vaccinated. It's a little, a little too late now that you need a double a double lung transplant at 24 years old. No preconditions, but he did vape. So um, 
Yeah, uh, these people, man. Like the the stats are showing that like ninety nine percent of the people that are uh, contracting COVID now at this point are all unvaccinated. So you're you're literally rolling the dice with your life <laughs> if you have the ability to get vaccinated. You're choosing not to. Like there's countries where people are like literally dying. <laughs> To get vaccinated, I think I saw an NBA player was trying to buy COVID vaccines to send it back to his home country, and here we can get it for free. And you got a gentleman uh, like uh, your man over here, just like, nah, I'm good. I'm gonna risk it. And then you know, now you need two new lungs. Good luck with that. That's a wild barrier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the wildest thing about the whole vaccine conversation is. The people who say don't get it are all vaxxed on TV, the politicians. Like, uh, I know Ted Cruz was on the news like a couple days ago saying the immigrants are bringing in the uh, new COVID cases into Texas. But I'm like, bro, you could just give them a couple vaccinations at the camp that y'all keep them at or probably start spreading that lie to begin with because, for one, you're vaccinated. Two, you went to Mexico during a hurricane, during the pandemic. So you might've either A, caught it there, brought it back or took it there. And now you're trying to blame everybody else for something that you probably could have helped prevent it. You went to Mexico but, again? This was, was this last year? It wasn't like that recent. I just remember him going there during the so pandemic. Not this, yeah, so we went to Mexico during, uh, what was it? I think it's they had that winter storm in Texas. So he tried. He yeah, tried that's to, what it was. Yeah, yeah he tried to flee and he got roasted on Twitter and they bullied him back to coming back. He clearly was lying. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to Mexico and drop off my family and then come back to Texas. Like, mm, no, you weren't. Your bag was a little too big to be making a turn and burn from Mexico. But yeah, Ted Cruz a clown, man. Like it. Yeah, a lot of those guys really. It's, it's one of those things where like, again, with uh, a majority of like the conservatives that lean that direction, they're their campaign or their uh, their political agenda is just keeping people mad. Like, there's really no policy. It's just like, oh, blame the immigrants, or COVID's a scam, or pandemic, or the insurrection wasn't as bad as y'all made it. They just, oh, it's just, there's really no meat on the bone. It's just a bunch of like yelling and crying and pointing fingers, like, oh, critical race theory. Like, all right, like y'all want to teach? Okay. Yeah, that wasn't on top of the list. We're not going to go down that route. We've already been proclaimed the racist podcast, so we'll, we'll keep that. We'll keep that under wraps. But um, yeah, man, get, if, if you have the ability to get vaccinated, do so. There's some people with like uh, pre-existing conditions or they're immunocompromised. But if you're just not doing it because you want to quote unquote wait for more research, then I mean, if you die, you die, dog. It is what it is. Like God bless. But. Speaking of, oh yeah, so talking about COVID, this transition this, uh, topic, uh, Coco Goff, uh, one of the young up and coming uh, tennis stars, who was also in the uh, Naomi Osaka documentary that's on Netflix, I highly recommend you watch it. She's contracted COVID, shout out to the Olympics, which I don't care about, but I do like my Olympic shirt. There you go, 2020, representing the anime, Japan, gang gang. I don't know who this person is or this person, but I know the topic. You don't know Shin Chan, bro? You tripping. Nah, man. I look. I, I attempted. Yeah, nah. Um, here we go. <laughs> I started one piece, but that shit is hella long, and it's. I'm not gonna lie. It's not as good as I. Nah, nah. 
Uh, there's a lot of hype behind One Piece, and I'm not really getting. So I kind of that's an inflammatory take, man. Wow, well, an, an, so, an anime that's too long. Who would have thought? <laughs> there we go. Well, the shit. I mean, that like, shit is a thousand episodes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> been on, it's been on for twenty years. So everybody says once you get to the time skip, that's when it gets better. Like I get why people would like it, but I I, I got to save that uh, that adventure for another time. But anywho. So it seems like uh, the Olympics are more concerned about uh, people blowing each other's backs out than COVID because they have uh, installed for world-class athletes that go out there and train extremely hard day in, day out to sleep on no bullshit cardboard beds. Like that is extremely disrespectful. And I guess the logic is, is that they don't want the athletes engaging in "quote unquote" risky behavior. Oh no! You're you're taking your entire staff country to another country that is having their own issues with COVID. Bring them to a country where they don't want you there, but you're worried about other athletes giving each other COVID. Like it is a weird. It's a weird situation. But like yeah. I saw a lot of tweets, like, yo, these are world class athletes. Like, you don't think if they're trying to, you know what I'm saying, get it in, they can. Like, I don't I don't understand what the bet being a being a term deterrent was, right? And I'm pretty sure if you're a, a gold medal level athlete, if your bed breaks, they're gonna get you another one, right? Like, I don't th- this is just the weirdest thing I've probably ever seen related to sports. Like, just the logic behind it is it's well, not there. There's there's me. also like the uh, the Olympic village is literally a fuck fest over there. Like if you read some of the stories of what's going on there, cause like once you're done with your event, you kind of are just hanging out for a little bit. Like you're there for a couple of days, maybe a week or two. And if you're like an alternate, you're just there hanging out. Like what else are you gonna do? You can't really, you can only train so much. You're in the best shape of your life. The person that you're attracted to is also in the best shape of their lives. Whatever, I'm about to go knock this out. You think a cardboard bed is gonna stop me? I will go to the bathroom. I will go to the hallway. We're gonna go to the kitchen, wherever. If these people are trying to fuck, they are going to fuck. It doesn't. They ain't no cardboard bed. Cardboard bed, be damned. They'll fuck on the floor. They're world world class athletes. They will find a way. <laughs> They'll be okay. You ain't stopping that train. Uh, I know. I mean, no, like you said, you're in amazing shape. What's gonna really stop you from throwing a couple blankets on the floor, and knocking that shit out real quick? Real quick. So you get that? What ain't gonna give you no pillows? How many <laughs> pillows you need? How many pillows you think they need? Like, come on, guy. Like, it, it's so backwards. Like the idea of like, well, we can't have our Olymp- Olympians out here fornicating. Like these people are between nineteen and like twenty five. In the greatest shape of their lives, you don't think they're gonna try to have sex with somebody? Like, um, so, uh, uh, so yeah, so the idea is organizers of Tokyo Olympics have the anti-sex bed for athletes to maintain social distancing due to widespread COVID in Japan. Anti-social distancing. So, okay, okay. so again, think Go about back that, home. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So you're you're worried about not pretty much you're worried about non-vaccinated athletes giving each other COVID, but you're not worried about these non-vaccinated athletes coming into somebody else's country. Like that, that, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. 
that doesn't make any sense. Oh man, they were wilding. So uh, from reading on foxnews.com, um, they're distributing a cache of condoms to the athletes as they do at every Olympics since 1988. This wow. year, the condom tally is 160,000 condoms. Still a far cry from the 450,000 condoms doled out during the Rio de Janeiro Brazil Olympics in 2016. Yeah, they were definitely uh, off the compound for that one. <laughs> <As> they <laughs> I got comments about that, but I'm you know, that'll make the podcast a little problematic. I mean, they was out. Well, yeah. I, uh, I'm just saying, think through. of what Brazil is and think about what they're number one in. That math adds up a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I respect it. I mean, they're on the streets, at least to protect themselves. But, I mean, the idea to hand out 160,000 condoms and still be like, yo, we're going to give you cardboard beds, like, no. I if I, hmm, I wonder if they told them that, like, after the fact. Because if I know I'm a top-tier athlete, I'm not coming. I'm not sleeping on a cardboard bed, dog. I'm, no, I'm no. a world-class athlete. I need my <laughs> sleep number bed. I need my Tempur-Pedic. I need something like this. This is out of control. So, what about the NBA players? Because that was the issue during the pandemic when they're in the bubble. Uh, some of the higher tier players, like I'm pretty sure LeBron James was. It was, it was the higher tier teams, like the Lakers. Uh, I think the Bucks, like the Celtics, they got like the good, the good suites, like with the big beds and the nice showers. But teams like you know, the Suns and the Bucks, not the Bucks, but like the lower tier teams, got the kind of shitty area. But yeah. it happens. But these NBA athletes are also going to be Olympians, so are they going to have the same standards? Because there's no way Kevin Durant's seven foot tall ass is fitting one of those. You know what I'm saying? Like this, I think the last, I think the last Olympics or something like that. I think the NBA players like stayed off off campus and like stayed on a yacht somewhere. Like they just had a yacht that was just nearby. They just all stayed there because they could afford to do it. Like all the other athletes, you know, because they're not paid like NBA players, but. They were just like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not sleeping here. I'm going to go off campus and sleep on this yacht. Room service, okay, I guess, high class. I guess, I guess they can do that as well now. but like They can't make them stay there. You know what I'm saying? Like If you can afford to stay somewhere else, then I'm sure you can. But, but, but with COVID, that might, be, that might not be possible, though. So this might but be at the easy. same time, when most of the hotels in Tokyo now have like residents because of COVID, so I would think that the higher paid players would just go to a hotel that's empty. Yeah, they'll they'll make they'll these hotels that are getting that kind of business, if they can get a high class, high end uh clientele like uh an NBA player, they're going to make it work. They'll give they'll give Damian Lillard his own floor, they'll give um whoever their own floor, Paul George, whatever. They'll they'll make it work. They want they're gonna get that money. Like we're at we're going everybody's coming to Tokyo. For the Olympics, they're getting this money. They they don't care. They say they do, but they don't care. Whatever it takes to cash in. You know who's not going to get their own floor? Trey Young. Trey Young. Yes, yes, because he's not there. (laughs) (laughs) This man hates. This man hates. Look, I don't hate the Hawks. I hate (laughs) Hawks. Like it, it, y'all make everything. We already talked about that, but y'all y'all make everything (laughs) miserable. Just y'all are just terrible. And like I said before in the podcast, the next phase in this 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 uh, mentality is going to be lying about the Falcons. I can already see it. But anywho, that's neither here nor there. Sticking with football, actually, uh, uh, Richard Sherman got caught in 4K wilding oh, out on his uh, father-in-law. Um, not a good look. Um, I'm sure uh, 
the uh, I feel like they might have treated him pretty good, but I feel like Richard Sherman with his educational background, he's perceived this intelligent brother and all that stuff. Uh, I'm sure that his label as one of the quote unquote good ones has been sullied. Um, so apparently, uh, according to the Seattle Times, I didn't even notice this when they said it, but apparently like the Legion of Boom, they might be cursed. Cause like all of them cats have had issues, dog. Like, let's see. Oh, had Earl Thomas had to do Sherman, Chancellor Earl Thomas, Brandon Browner. Three have had personal and legal issues, very severity that have put them, uh, put them and others in distress or danger. So, yeah, I mean, one of them was having like an orgy with his brother or something like that, and his wife like pulled on him with a pistol. Like, yeah, they 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 have some issues, but um, let's see, what was he arrested for? Oh shit. So Thomas, he was arrested for allegedly pointing when his wife pointed a loaded gun at him during an argument, argument after finding out he's had an extramarital affair with his brother, which is weird. Um, but Sherman, what did he do? Yeah, what, what did he It has something to do with his wife, correct? Yeah, I think it was like uh, domestic burglary. I mean, that's what it said. Something like that. Like I saw that like the video I saw looked like he was trying to, you know, bang the door in and Thank, thank God that door was strong because I think if he'd have got in, this would have been a, a way worse story than what we were actually uh, talking about. So the according to Yahoo.com, <clears throat> Seattle Police Department released an audio 911 call. Uh, released it was arrest, blah, blah, blah. He's being aggressive, wrestling with her uncle who was at the couple's home uh, on the call. She said her husband had been drinking at the time of the incident and had intentions of harming himself. Uh, she said he's threatened to kill himself. He has sent text messages to people saying he's going to hang himself. Um, and he's saying that if police show up, please don't shoot. That's what he's asking. He said if police show up, he'll try to fight them. Um, yeah, man. So he was he was apparently going through some stuff. Um, he released a statement saying, after fact, I'm deeply remorseful for my actions on Tuesday night. I behave in a manner I'm not proud of. I have been dealing with some personal challenges over the last several months, but this is not an excuse for how I acted. The importance of mental health and emotional health is extremely real, and I vow to give the help I need. I appreciate all the people who have reached out, support, and sent me sent me and my family, including our community, is here in Seattle. I am grateful to have an amazing wife, family, support system to lean on during this time. I'm kind of surprised at, at some of this stuff. Um, I kind of feel bad for watching some of this stuff, like the the video of him trying to get into that door, like who put that out? Why was that put out? Like who recorded that? Why are you putting that out for public consumption? I mean, a lot of people saying it was his father-in-law who leaked the video. I don't know who had it first, but it looked like uh, a ring doorbell camera or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I seen the video too. It, from what I seen and from what the father-in-law said, it probably would have went a lot worse had he gotten in because his father-in-law said he maced him, he had a gun. So I was like, either Richard Sherman would have got shot or worse killed, or maybe he would have did something to the father-in-law had he got in. I'm mm. still not sure who he was trying to get to because I'm yeah. like, was his wife there? <laughs> was it something that started with his with the wife's uncle that led to going to the dad? Maybe they had problems in the past, and then whatever happened with the uncle just sent him over the edge. Yeah, want to squash that shit. It, it's got to be something, but like, like you're saying, like, 
because the the ring camera you could tell someone was recording it on their phone like you can pull right. that stuff up on your computer like if you have access to it you can do it so it's clearly someone from that family but it's like why would you do that like you're trying to make why are you trying to make someone that's a part of your family that clearly like he richard sherman is in the wrong here like richard sherman isn't in the right he did the wrong thing but mm. on top of that you're putting out video to like are you do you have a vendetta like what is i just don't understand and it just felt like it felt invasive because he's clearly going through something like he's he put out a statement saying he's got like he's had he's been having a drinking problem lately um he's not in the nfl right now he's in and that's i think that was the part that kind of surprised me where i, I was like i didn't think that Richard Sherman would be one of those types of players to where if his career ended, he would have a hard, a hard time dealing with it because it seems like, you know, the players that are, you know, um, highly educated have other interests and tend to do other things tend to handle retirement or a forced retirement a little bit better. Like I think of Andrew Luck, uh, Chris Mm. Bosch, players that kind of are thinking a little bit more outside the box who don't really just think, okay, football is everything. That's all I deal with. That's all I know. That's who I am. They have something outside of themselves, outside of football. And I kind of figured Richard Sherman was one of those types of people, but maybe he's not that. Maybe he is a guy who's like, my whole identity is football. Like without football, what am I? I've been playing football since I was, you know, in third grade. I've been the best football player my entire life. And now I'm, he's 33 years old. And now they're telling you, Hey, you're not good enough to be in this league anymore. We don't want you here. I couldn't imagine being 33 years old and losing my identity, like who I am, who I think I am as a person. Now, all of a sudden I'm no longer that at 33. That's, Mm. that's tough to deal with. And then you put on top of that, the drinking problems, then you throw on top of that, and I'm not saying this is part of it, but you throw on that possibly the possibility of having CTE. Maybe there's a, there's just a lot of things that can go into that, and uh, it, it's it's just it's it's not funny, but it is funny hearing about him talking about possibly having a drinking problem that caused this, and then you know the NFL is going to start in a couple of weeks, and there's going to be like the official beer of the NFL. While they mm-hmm. while they keep Josh Gordon out of the league for smoking weed, so it's like, what are we really doing? I mean, it it's crazy because yeah, Richard Sherman went to Stanford, right? Yeah, he went to Stanford. He, he was, was a Rhodes Scholar. Life. Yeah, and he was a Rhodes Scholar. Like even because I was even thinking about it when the video came out, I was like, bro, that don't even seem like the Richard Sherman I had seen when he was giving post game interviews when they won the Super Bowl, even when they lost the Super Bowl. He always seemed real calm. Yeah, I was like, I know there's a couple of times videos out there of him getting a little mouthy. I remember somebody punched him in the face one time, but he always seemed to kind of be in control regardless. And to kind of see him going through that uh, from that video, he seemed really kind of out of control. And then I did see, I'm not sure which player it was, but he said, I remember what it was like when I was playing football. I was always angry and I wanted to hit something. And I was wondering if that's just something that some guys go through. Like maybe it's not CTE, but maybe it's a reaction to being so physical all the time, always running into somebody, always trying to take somebody down. Like that's the only way you kind of know how to end the problem is to go straight at it. 
Well, that's how so, you deal with things. That's how you deal with your like emotions, conflict, all that stuff that happens to happens to, I guess, professional athletes. And it, I'm pretty sure it happens with uh, people in the military too. People are in the military; they have this strict uh, regiment all the time. They're dealt with in a very direct manner. Um, sometimes spoken to in a certain way, and then they get out of the military, and it's just like, wait, this is how things are. Like, I can't just tell you to do your fucking job and you'll do it. And you know, we don't have a set thing that we have to do a set a set of uh, guidelines, a set of standards. People got these fancy long haircuts, and they're used to having like the the buzz cuts. And it's just like it might be that same thing with professional athletes, where it's just like you're just so used to that way of living. That once you're out of it for as long as he has been, now it's like, how do you handle a problem? I'm a he's a mm-hmm. defense, he's a defensive player. Like defensive players hit people. That is for the most part, unless you're one of those uh uh just cover corners, your job is to go out there and not kill people, but essentially like try to kill people. So it's yep. just like if if I'm having a problem and I'm a football player and I am intoxicated, I'm going to revert back to like what I'm used to, what I what I have been doing essentially my entire life. My entire life is if I have a problem, I'm just gonna run through it. I'm just gonna run through it. I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna go ahead and fight this out because that's what I've been doing for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he was part of Legion of Boom and there's a reason they were called that. It had nothing to, well, it had something to do with their stint, their audience, but them boys used to hit hard when they was playing for Seattle. Yeah. It was knocking cats out. So, like I said, that's probably just something that he's extremely used to. Like, I couldn't imagine, because I'm 32 now. Say next year, somebody tell me, oh, well, you can't do your job no more. I was like, bro, I don't know how I react to that. Well, so, it, and it, it's not even about like the job, though. It's, it's who you are, it's what you've been doing since you were like six. Mm. Like, I've been doing this thing since I was a kid, and I've loved it for this long. And as I have, grown up and matured people have told me that i'm good at this thing i have gotten benefits for being good at this for doing this and now they're telling me i can no longer do this at 33 33 is young like we, we just talked about biz Marquis passing away at 57 57 is it was 57 right yeah 57 is not crazy old so 33 is definitely not old so and you you're essentially almost having to start your life over if you haven't prepared, if he hasn't prepared for this mentally, like if he doesn't have like a a next step, like I, I've, I've seen people that I was in the military with that they didn't have a plan once they got out of the military. Like they knew they were getting out, but they didn't think about, okay, what's my next step? And those people tend to struggle when it comes to transitioning to getting out of the military, whether it be like trying to get a job or a house or doing school or whatever it is that they're trying to do. And, I, and it's probably the same for professional athletes. Like if you're kind of, you know, you signed one last big contract, at some point you got to start thinking like, hey, what am I going to do when this contract ends and I'm, you know, I'm in my mid-30s, they might not bring me back. I need to have an, an exit plan. And uh, hopefully Richard Sherman has something in, in place here and he can uh, get the help. Like he, he clearly needs some help, but. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the most surprising thing though for me is, Richard Sherman is extremely smart. For him to not have an exit plan just seems weird. Yeah, I, that's what that's what surprised me. I was like, I because he, I, I thought he was on. He's on. Uh, he does uh, videos with the uh, PFF, I believe. 
or NBC, one of those uh, channels. Sure, I mean, shit, he could analyst be up there, coach. I mean, even he could do something sports related. I feel like I don't remember what he majored in when he was at Stanford, but I don't even think football needs to, or another step in football needs to be the next step for him. Shit, I think he did something with. I want to say he did something with computers, and I was like, as long as you keep up with that stuff, that's not something you will ever lose. Like, mm-hmm. and then even if you do lose a step, there's plenty of resources online and offline that you can get to. Yeah, well, definitely. Hopefully he gets the the help he needs. Uh, and we'll see how that goes with him. But uh, so and it's interesting that you mentioned that you know, he doesn't have a backup plan at football his entire life. And just real quick, I I don't think y'all have watched the Naomi Osaka Netflix doc. I haven't finished it, but it's interesting being that she's like 22, 23 when this is being shot, that she already knows that like, yo, tennis is not the biggest thing for me. Like, this is not my life. She loves the sport, but she she already knows that, you know, there's more to life than tennis which is kind of cool with the younger athletes realizing like, Hey, my life doesn't need to revolve around the thing I do, especially when you've like made the most money of any female athlete in the year. Like the, the world is your oyster at that point. It's, it's kind of like the, like with Andrew Luck situation with the coach, like he knows his life is not dependent on football. He has other things he can do outside of that. So I thought that was kind of cool that she kind of already knows that, you know, she's done fashion shoots. She's got her own line of clothing. She's got her own line of clothing with Nike. Um, so she, she's definitely a, you know, she's an international star, superstar. You know what I'm saying? So she's not chained to going out there and working out for hours a day to, you know, maintain, uh, you know, this status that this pedestal that people put her up on as an athlete. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's my life. Like I can go do other shit. So. Trevor Lawrence said the same thing, and it was kind of viewed. And it, it's different with football because it's this team sport and football over everything, and you got to be a hundred, give it a hundred ten percent. He was just like, "Yeah, I want to win, but like I know that football isn't everything." And that's uh, along the lines of what he said. I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was essentially like, "Hey, I love the game. I'm glad to be a Jaguar. I'm gonna do the best that I can, but I also have other interests. There's also other things I like to do." I have a life outside of football. I'm not just Trevor Lawrence, the football player. I'm Trevor Lawrence, the husband. I'm Trevor Lawrence, the son. I'm Trevor Lawrence, the whatever else he is interested in. Like that's a thing. That's the thing that I that I like to see with uh, younger athletes that understand. Like, hey, this is this is a job. This is a job that I love, but I also can't give. I can't make it to where this is all I am because at at any moment it can all be gone. You can have your leg blown up, paralyzed, whatever, but you got to have you have to have something for yourself that is not that profession. And that that applies to anything. If you work at, you know, Burger King or Wendy's, your whole life can't be. I am a Burger King cashier. I am the fry guy. That cannot be your identity. It has to be something else outside of you have to have something for yourself. Yeah. yeah, and I agree. Like, um, like uh, Sabri said, Andrew Luck got out. He saw what the league was – not necessarily the league, but what the game was going to do to him if he kept playing. And I think a lot of that comes from the mindset. Like, look, look at Brett Favre and Peyton Manning. Brett Favre, every game he got his back and leg shot up a quarter zone so he could just play. 
Uh, Peyton Manning had to get his, what, C4 and C2 vertebrae fused together just so he could come back out to play the it game. Like he had to get, and he had to get steroids in his wife's name just so he can be halfway decent to throw the football down the field. Barely. Like, I think that's what <laughs> a lot of that ass. It's like a lot of people have that mindset is play till you can't, but why? They're not going to pay you once you retire. We're in, we're, so, at, we're we're out of that. We're all the days of people playing until they can't no more. We're not going to see people playing like Brett Favre for that long. Like players like Luke Keekley. If Luke Keekley was coming up in the nineties, he would just he would keep playing. But Luke mm-hmm. Keekley now is like, hey man, I'm in my early thirties. I've had way too many concussions. I cannot continue to do this and function outside of football because this is going to affect me long term when I'm way done with football, if I make it that far. And I mm-hmm. think, and, and honestly, I think in the 90s, people our age back then would have called him soft. They'd have been like, yeah, Luke Keekly soft. He can't handle a couple of concussions. It's part of the game. Toughen up. But our generation now is starting to realize, like, hey, CTE is a big deal. Having busted up knees is a big deal. Having a bad back suck sucks. Having messed up shoulder, neck pain pills, insurance. There's all these things that you have to deal with. And it's like, if you don't have to deal with it and you get, and you have enough money to just walk away from it, walk away. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, and, and I'm, I'm a Colts fan. I, I was sick, sick to my stomach. When I saw that Andrew Luck retired, I was watching the uh, uh, Miami, Miami hurricanes were playing. I'm pretty sure they were getting their backs blown in as usual, but I was watching them play. And at the bottom of the screen, Adam Schefter, Andrew Luck is retiring for the Colts. And I was <clears throat> I was upset. But I've seen the way the guy plays. I have seen all the injuries he has taken. Like he's I've never watched a Colts game and seen and watched Andrew Luck and been like, you know what, he's not giving it his all. He's not trying his best. He's he is. He did he did everything he was supposed to do. And for him to walk away like that, I was like, you know what? Jim Ursay let him down. Jim Ursay was asleep at the wheel. He let other people ruin Andrew Luck. And by the time we had everything fixed, <clears throat> Andrew Luck was like, I'm not, I can't keep doing this. And I, I I don't have a problem with it. Like, it is what it is. Like, we have we have no one but to blame but the owner. So mm-hmm. we fucked up two generational quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, you gotta look out for yourself because you can get traded in your sleep at any day, so why say yeah. loyal to a franchise is not going to be loyal to you at the end of the day? Yeah, I mean, not to him for like not being heard or seen from since. Like he left, and he's like, "I'm good. Like I, I really don't need this." So I respect that. So, but uh, I mean, I've seen like pictures of him like on the subway, like random pictures of him just like out, and he still lives in Indiana, which is crazy to me. I don't know how he just lives there. I would. I don't think I could do that. I'm surprised he doesn't get like a harass a little bit more than that because sports fans are weird. Like, I mean, they yeah. they, they booed him at a game. It's crazy. <laughs> they, they did. They did do that. Um, so let me see. Oh, like how oh. Philly fans got booed in their own stadium last year. That was actually <laughs> awesome for me because it was my team that was born or that caused the booing. But sports. Oh, so. Sports. Real quick, uh, just some quick takes on the 13th anniversary of The Dark Knight Rises. Um, this uh, it's a good movie. I rewatched it recently after I think about a year ago. I rewatched that and uh, 
after I watched the Joker, just because people were having the debate of which Joker is the best, Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, or Joaquin Phoenix. And I think I came to the determination that um, I think the Joaquin Phoenix was a better one than Heath Ledger, because that's the easy answer, um, you know, because he died and all that stuff surrounding that. I mean, it, it doesn't take anything away from him, but like rewatching the movie, he's not the centerpiece of the movie. Like he's not in the movie that much at all. I just think people thought the scenes he were in were really cool, but Joaquin Phoenix like carried that entire movie and was like he was that guy in the movie. So that's why I do that. People get caught up with like, oh, he died and he'd have made so many great movies after this and blah 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 blah. blah. I mean, Ooh. outside of the Dark Knight Rises, I. Couldn't tell you another Heath Ledger movie I'd ever seen. You've never yeah. seen like The Patriot and Ten Things I Hate About You. I seen I seen The Patriot. That's 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 Mel Gibson though. Like he's the star of that movie. You know what I'm saying? That's I'm one of those movie. That was one of those movies where you go back and watch. You're like, oh, that is Heath Ledger. Like, <laughs> I mean, I know he's a broke back mountain, mountain, but I haven't seen. Oh yeah, that see, yet. that's like the biggest thing he did before Dark Knight. So the fact we didn't even bring that up. Yeah, so it was just one of those things where people were like projecting, like, all right, well. It is what it is, but um, it, it was a cool movie. I guess out of the the Batman's they've made, I would say that is the best one that that I've seen. I really didn't like uh, the last one, whatever it was called with Bane. That uh, shit was Dark Knight Rises. That shit was extremely overrated. Like I, I didn't get it. People were all like, "Oh, Bane is this great character? Like he had a muffled voice and like whatever. Like the shit wasn't as good as y'all try to tell yourselves it was, in my opinion." But it, I'm, I'm good on that. Christian Bell's I mean, amazing Batman. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, Christian Bell's probably my third favorite Batman, but uh, Damn, I like the. Uh, <laughs> I like Jesus Dark Knight Rises. Huh? I said, Jesus Christ, third actor third or best. movie? Because some mm. other dudes bums. Val Kimmer was a bum. George Clooney was a bum. Michael Keaton was pretty good, but that was Whoa, no time. disrespect, Michael Keaton though. Michael Keaton is the best, and then Ben Affleck, and then Oh, I forgot uh, I didn't count. I didn't count that. Wasn't bad new ones. There was more like you know, preemptive slander on Ben Affleck, but he wasn't bad. Well, I think he played the well role pretty well. Like it didn't bother me. It wasn't horrible, but Overall, I feel like he was the only person who could bring the balance of both Batman and Bruce Wayne. Like, uh, oh, okay, like Michael Keaton, I felt did both well, but that, like you said, that was a different time. And then, uh, yeah. Christian Bell, I feel like he was only good as Bruce Wayne, like his Batman was always lacking. So, oh, man, I kind of, man, I was kind of on the other side with that. I kind of felt like, uh, I think maybe it's because Christian Bale did such a good job as Bruce Wayne that. Even though his Batman wasn't as high as it should have been, is why I, I would still have Christian Bale uh, as number one for me. Even though, like, as the movies went on, uh, his Batman voice was kind of getting cartoonishly, like, weird. Like, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why are you? Yes, swear to me. You know what's crazy is uh, his, uh, not his daughter, but uh, Christopher Nolan's daughter was the one who said that. Christian Bell didn't sound scary enough as Batman, so that's why he started he doing in. that. Well, Chris, uh, Christopher Nolan went in post credit or uh, post production and made his voice a little more gravelly, and then that's why it sounds more like that as the movies go. 
You got you. Well, I- sorry, y'all. I had to hop in real quick, take a break from doing my homework because South <laughs> Breeze with these terrible takes. First of all, that um, Dark Knight, whatever that movie was with Bane, was actually a really good movie. Um, ben Affleck was trash as Batman. Whoa, doesn't look the part. You know, shout out to what's what's the one nigga El El uh, El Presidente Black. He's always a freaking Batman cock rider, as we know. <laughs> Those movies are so trash. I mean, like, they're just no good. But Heath Ledger did a great job. Um, I don't feel like it was overrated because I felt like every time, no matter how limited, he entered the movie, he stole the scene. Like, I was even looking at something where they said um, the part where he, and I forget the lady's name, but the part where they were at the party he grabs the lady with the knife to her face. Like that was all improv, like pure emotion. And she's trying to really get him off because she doesn't know what's going on. Like that's a level of skill that, that you know, you can't sit here and talk down about. Like that dude really played his part. Sorry, because I'm looking on my other screen too. So right. it's be off well, but that dude really played his part. He did an excellent job. Joaquin was great too. Jack Nicholson was great. And that's all I had to say about that. I'd, I'd, I'd be I'd be curious to 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 know like the actual uh, running time that Heath Ledger had in uh, the Dark Knight uh, the Dark Knight Rises because it's one of those movies where it's like you're not in the movie a lot but your impact is felt the entire time. Like it's like uh, Spider Man, the first Spider Man Homecoming, where Iron Man is in that movie for a total of like 13 minutes. But it feels like he's all over that movie. And to give Heath Ledger a little bit more credit, when you think of superhero villains, like he's number one, right? It's him and then Thanos. It's and you can flip-flop the two of them, but like when we're having that discussion, like we're not talking about Mysterio, we're not talking about Dr. Octopus, we're not talking about whoever the villain is in Superman or anything. Like when we I talk mean, about that movie's kind of whack, though. So it, I mean, <laughs> I mean, but when we, if we're if we're, okay, so if we're going to, if we're going to rank supervillain, uh, superhero villains, is Heath Ledger? Heath Ledger's because I was talking about this with the um, on Twitter, my guy uh, Padre Ten Thirteen. He was talking about how like Heath Ledger's Joker was underrated and underappreciated. I was like. That dude won an Oscar for that performance. And like I said, if you do, if you ask any comic book movie watcher, like who's the best comic book villain, Heath Ledger's in that top two. And even if you go to whenever this movie was released, if you look before and after, I feel like how villains were portrayed and how they acted and how they were written were different after Heath Ledger. Like Heath Ledger kind of, changed how we viewed uh villains in movies like I, I i didn't really plan on going into that so i didn't really look it up but i feel like if i start from okay dark knight uh rises heath ledger joker now let's look at all the villains that came before him now let's look at all the villains that came after him is there a drastic difference and i'm willing to bet that there is like we don't have i don't think we get a killmonger i don't think we get a thanos i don't think we get uh, a vulture without Heath Ledger's Joker. 
I mean, I agree because before Heath Ledger's Joker, the only villain that anybody ever talked about in comic movies was Dr. Octopus. Like, and it's crazy because Fantastic Four, Dr. Doom is such an integral villain to that whole story. Nobody talked about him. Nobody talked about... Uh, That's because the movie was ass, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I agree. The Fantastic Four ass. movies was trash. <laughs> uh <laughs> Who was the first villain in the first Batman movie? Ra's al Ghul? I mean, people talked about him, but that's because that's Liam Neeson. But nobody was really like, oh, well, Ra's al Ghul is such a great villain. I agree. That man needs to get his ass whooped. Uh, (laughs) I mean, even though I do think the Superman movies are trash, nobody talked about General Zod at all. And then now we got people rooting for villains because of the Joker. We got people rooting for Killmonger. We got people rooting for Thanos. People liking um like uh Emperor Kang or not Emperor Kang, but um Kang the Conqueror coming up. Like the hype is real for him because he I guess he's supposed to be the next big bag after Thanos, but people are like ready for that. And like Marcus said, it's because Heath Ledger kind of set the tone for that. Like I'm not if it was just Jack Nicholson and then Joaquin Phoenix. Which I don't think the Joaquin Phoenix movie would have happened without the Heath Ledger Joker. But mm-hmm. if it was just them, we probably wouldn't have any love for any of these villains. Like they they given us reasons to kind of I wouldn't say root for them outright, but at least sympathize with them and hear them out to see where they're coming from. Even though the Joker was complete psychopath, I don't think anybody's trying to sympathize with that guy. So I, I guess I it's a smooth transition. His plight. <laughs> Oh, so you you brought up um you brought up uh Kane the Conqueror, so that's a a smooth transition to uh, Loki. Um, yes. Yeah. So I said this on Twitter and maybe my group chat, but I, I received a bit of flack. But I think the the finale of Loki was better than the entire Black Widow movie, right? <laughs> like, oh, okay. I, I thought on, you were going to go another way with that. No, one, I, I was on like the edge of my seat, like the entire episode. Like I had no clue what was about to happen, and I I think Marvel did a good job with their show throwing that in there. Like so that's doing, a pretty we're doing, big. We're, we're doing Loki spoilers. Oh yeah, so yeah. Sorry, spoiler alert. If we had any well, I mean, the, the, there'd be like it, sounds it, and if you don't know at this point, like <laughs> yeah. So, but and, and to what you said, because he already mentioned it, Kane the Conqueror. I could remember his name, but I already I already knew who he was. I knew he was already cast for uh, Ant Man and Wasp: The Quantum Mania. So I'm like, all right, cool. I know what this is, but I didn't expect him to be brought up this early. So I know a lot of comic book fans were mad because they thought his character was going to be wasted in an Ant Man movie. But it looks like he's he's going to have some sort of presence throughout because Ant Man will come out till February 2023. You know what I'm saying? There's what one two. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight Marvel movies before that. So this this reveal is pretty telling to me, but I also think it could be a little bit of sleight of hand. Um, unlike uh, Losi was saying, I think I think that this might be a trick. I think they're putting him out front, but he might not. He might not be the big bad. He might be the bridge to the next one because I know the Fantastic Four is the last movie to be slated in Phase Four. But I, I feel like his presence is going to be kind of up and down with the, uh, you know, with the variant thing, because maybe he's going to be with the Avengers, trying to help stop himself. Maybe throughout various movies. Well, I got the list up here. So. 
you got uh, Shang-Chi Legend of Ten Rings, which is significant for other reasons. And I've said this before. I'm going to stop looking at YouTube videos, stop referencing old stuff. So I like being surprised like I was with watching Loki. But stuff I know about Shang-Chi, I kind of know where that might tie in. Miss um, Marvel, I don't know. That's probably not going to tie into anything that I can think of. Spider-Man 3. Doctor Strange is possibly where we might see Kang, and that don't come out till 2022 in March. Ooh. So that's where it might start, because that's the multiverse of madness, and the multiverse is clearly referenced in Loki. And they also don't have in this list where Loki season two is going to fall in here. So that's that's another thing. I was surprised and by actually, that. Actually, I was wondering about that, because I was like, are they going to spend the block, like, at the end of the year, are they going to push it back, like with that season two uh, teaser? Yeah, so I'm I'm confused. It's already shown that he's going to be a factor in the second season of this show, but again, Kane the Conqueror has already been been cast for Ant Ant Man and uh, Wasp: Quantumanium in 2023. So now this is the fun part of being a MCU fan is the whole speculation. And, and you know what? I'm going to go back on what I just said. I'm probably going to go back and do research. Just because, like, a majority of the research and, and fan theories we have are all wrong, right? Like, Loki said on Twitter, the fan theories about Endgame were actually better than the movie. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> Endgame, it, was, it was not good. The, the stuff that I had in my head and videos I saw on YouTube were way better than the plot of the movie. Endgame but, is the worst Avengers movie. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just it's in the bottom two, bottom two. So it's, it's going to be interesting where this fits in between, like I said, eight movies before he slated, you know, officially cast. So I don't see him being in the Eternals. He might be referenced in the Eternals. He's not going to be in Shang-Chi. Probably not going to be in Miss or in Spider-Man 3. And he could be referenced possibly if they do I the whole movie. If they start the multiverse thing in there, because there, there's no way they introduced this villain. And I'm, I am glad that, uh, I'm kind of surprised that they would introduce him like this big of a character on a TV show. Um, Ooh, but I, but they, but said I that, though. they said they want people to have to watch these shows to understand. Yeah, what's but going but this is but this is the first Marvel's part. This is the first time that we've had a scenario where I felt like you had to have watched the the TV show, like without mm-hmm. knowing what's going to happen later on. I feel like okay, you needed to watch this. You needed to see this. You needed to have all this stuff explained to you. So when you see him again or another version of him, you understand like where he kind of comes from. But I, I don't feel like they introduced him in 2021 <laughs> just to put him on the shelf until 2023. Like he has to be in some kind of post credit scene in Spider-Man. He has to be referenced in Doctor Strange. He has to, there, there has to be something where we keep his name, like, because even with Thanos, like, Thanos was mentioned in uh, one of the Thor movies. I mentioned. think it was the first Thor movie at that. Yeah, he was mentioned. He was mentioned in the Thor movies. He was mentioned in Guardians of the Galaxy. He was mentioned in the Avengers. Um, he's always been around until he was officially introduced in Infinity War. So they kind of have to do the same thing with Kane the Conqueror and. What I don't want to have happen is for them to build this guy up to be like, you know, he's doing all this time travel. He's the smartest guy. He knows everything. He knows what's happening. He knows what's coming because he's seen everything for him to just lose in Ant-Man, for him to be gone. Like, all right, Ant-Man got him out of here. We don't have to worry about this guy no more. Like kind of how looking back on it, even though at the time 
when I watched uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, I liked that movie. I was like, this is a good movie. But looking back on it now, they kind of wasted Ultron as a character because it's just like he had a lot of stuff going on and he was a pretty powerful character. And even the name suggests like the age of Ultron. Like that sounds like a long time. But yeah. in the movie, it, instead of the age of Ultron, it was a four day weekend of Ultron and he was gone. You know what I'm saying? So like they need to let this character breathe a little bit longer than what they did with Ultron. And hopefully they kind of do the same thing like they did with Thanos, where it's like, hey, he's going to keep being mentioned. He's always in the background. We always that's what we're looking towards. That's the important thing. But, you know, I'm not saying he has to be in every movie, but he does need to be referenced. So for reference from the comic books up with Age of Ultron, he was definitely wasted. Essentially, in one comic book story, he he drove the superheroes living in the sewers like the Ninja Turtles. Like that's the type of work he was handing out where cats is living underground. So they they definitely like wasted that that character in that storyline, but I do think it could be some sleight of hand because like if you look at it, it's interesting looking at this, and you got Shang Chi, Eternals, uh, Spider Man three, Doctor Strange, Love and Thunder, Black Panther, the Marvels, Ant Man, and Guardians of the Galaxy. So in a two year period, they're putting out about ten movies, right? Possibly TV shows too. I might be on the TV shows, but if you think about the original run for the first two phases, that was like what over when did the first phase start? Like 2000 and I think it was 08 with Iron Man, right? Yeah, or technically maybe 06 with the first the Hulk with Edward Norton because yeah, those two Iron Man was at the end. Oh, okay, then then it was 08 with uh, Iron Man and the Hulk. It seems like they're putting out a lot of movies in a shorter period of time with this phase compared to how they spread it out earlier. So that's another thing I'm kind of curious that's to see. A little, I feel like that's more troublesome than it might be because, I mean, me personally, I don't go to the movies that often. So what if two or, so you say like 10 movies over two years? It means I'm at the movies five times in one year just watching Marvel. I'm not going to be in the mood for all that. So and then I, I'm not trying to buy them. So I I am of the opposite mindset. I don't know if they're going to still do the Disney Plus thing. That's where I watched Black Widow. Um, it, it wasn't a bad experience, but I, for something like in, for Infinity War, that's a theater movie. You know what I'm saying? Endgame, that's a theater movie. But I think this is actually a good thing because and I was talking to Marcus and them in the group chat about this, is like with the idea of the multiverse, it opens up so many more stories for Marvel. And now with them having comic books, or now with them having TV series, there's so many good characters and storylines you can put out. So now instead of having to wait for, for these characters to be intertwined or waiting so long to make movies with these other characters, you can maybe mention them in a TV show and then put out a movie with this character. So we can get more content and get more characters and again, now with the multiverse, you had the option to literally do whatever you want. Like my idea, and I've said this before, is that the way that they're going to bring back Black Panther is they're going to get another Black Panther from another multiverse and bring him in back to the end. It's too easy. It makes too much sense. Like you could literally now at this point with the multiverse idea, you can kill off and bring back whoever you want to. Because there, there's, diff, there's different Marvel universes with the same characters, just different people. Just like the whole Loki variant thing. And that was pretty slick how they did that. 
now that you now that I think about it, because if you think about the the comics, like there's comics where, like I said, uh, Shuri's Black Panther. Um, you got stories where shit. There's a story where where fucking Black Panther gets hold of the Infinity Gauntlet. Like there's all kinds of cool stories out there. There's a storyline that tied into uh, Endgame where uh, Captain America joins Hydra. Like these are all different versions of the same characters. Now you have the option to bring these cooler stories out with these different characters. So I'm glad they're they're pumping out the content. So I'm I'm here for that. Like those are literally the only movies I go to see at the theaters is Marvel movies. So I'm definitely gonna be masked up and holding it now. So well, actually, I, I'm I actually hope that they continue to allow the uh, purchasing them on Disney Plus because I did I did do that with Black Widow and I was able to watch it at home not it wasn't that bad of an experience i'm not i'm not sure if i would have did that for infinity war and endgame because those are more like massive epic movies that you need to be you need to have the theater experience like those movies are shot to be played in the theater and not on your tv at home so for black widow i was like yeah i can do this but like for you know doctor strange am i gonna want to sit at home and watch it on my regular ass tv or watch it on the big screen like well, uh, but it's gonna be hit or miss it's, on it's that. It's convenient one. though, because like even I remember watching like Infinity War or Endgame and thinking like, damn, like just trying to remember certain parts, certain scenes. Now if you have it at your fingertips, I can rewind and pause and go to the bathroom at my own leisure and then just watch it again if I wanted to. Because like if I had the ability on Disney Plus to rewatch Infinity War as soon as it ended, I probably would have done that. I'd have and started it back over. Yeah, I would have watched it like six times back to back. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, hey, run that back. <laughs> I need I that. I need that again. Cool that, that that's there. I think Marvel is too greedy for that. I don't know if the numbers are looking like for Black Widow. Well, they did. They made like uh, sixty million that weekend for just. I think just off of Disney Plus, they made sixty million. I think. Don't quote me on that. I think they should test it though. I think they should test it with one of the bigger movies and see what happens. Because I think there's people that'll do both. I think people will go to the theaters and then double yeah. back and watch it at home, come and then buy home. it too. If yeah, it's come, that good. Yeah. I think it, I think if it's like a one off, I think if it's a one off, you might go to the theater. But if it's one like you maybe want to get it back again, you might get it at home. But like like I said, like Infinity War, I don't know if it hits the same at home because in the theater. Like, you know, spoiler alert for a movie that came out almost 10 years ago. But when he snaps his fingers, I don't know if that scene, the way like it sounds, like how the sound kind of just goes out. And then you have other people in the theater with you. And it's uh, like you hear the audible gasping of people like when Bucky starts disappearing. And then people, other so people start like disappearing. It was like four years ago. Or, you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> But but like you 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 don't get that experience at home. Like it's not as it doesn't feel as epic on your TV as it does on a big screen with you know surround sound and whatnot. But just to real quick on I know we talked about it last week, uh, uh, Black Widow, and I know Los hasn't seen it yet. So I mean he he told me he doesn't really care about spoilers. The biggest problem with this movie is. There is no reason to watch this. There's nothing, nothing about this movie matters. I don't think. Like you can go, oh, you can. I don't. I, it's a, it's a, it's a commercial for a TV show. Like they're going to, they're oh. going to, they're going to reference that scene in the Hawkeye TV show. But even, even if the character is no longer here, you can go back and kind of explain something. 
give us something that we didn't know. Give us some sort of insight or at least, and I think we talked about this years before the movie even came out. Once it was announced, I think it was you, South Breeze, that said this. You were like, the best part of this movie is going to be the end credit scene. Yep. The end credit scene on this movie was ass compared to every every Marvel movie that has ever come out. The end credit scene has usually been a hit. I can't think. I'm trying to think of one where it's just like, yeah, the end credit scene didn't really hit, or the end credit scene didn't matter in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That end, end credit scene matters for the TV show, but for heading into Spider-Man three, did you need that end credit scene? Heading into that Thor four. Funny. Heading into Thor 4, heading into Guardians of the Galaxy 3, heading into Doctor Strange 2, that end credit scene means nothing. So that's my my that was my main issue outside of the story with the Black Widow. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, if they decide to do the uh Secret Avengers, that could that could be a thing. Um I got an issue with that because only only because they kill Iron Man and Cap is retired. That story is not gonna feel the same for me. And then at that, they need to bring in uh, Norman Osborn to really, really take it home with that. But there's like a whole, and then that's and that's a possibility with the shit. He's not diverse. Is he in the Sinister Six? Well, yeah, no. uh, Oh, no, I don't believe so. I think that's the Rhino, Electro, uh, Doctor Octopus, Vulture. Uh, Mysterio, Mysterio I mean, I and Craven uh, the Hunter, maybe? I think that's Sinister Six. Yeah, he, could, he could still be out there lurking somewhere. So they haven't even alluded to Harry Osborn or uh, Oscorp at all in these new movies, so it's a possibility that he is out there. But it's me personally, because like I said, I read the comics, so it's not going to hit quite the same, but with the multiverse, and I know Robert Downey Jr. has shown interest that he does want to come back. I'm not so sure about Chris Evans wanting to come back. There is a, the door would technically be flung right back open for those guys to jump right back into it. So, mm. so if they did, it's going to be a one-off. It's going to be like, oh shit, we went to this other universe or this other multiverse, and there's Tony Stark and you know what I'm saying Captain America. I don't think they're gonna come back for any long-term role because I mean Chris Evans could, but like fucking Martin Downey Jr. is kind of old. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I don't mean, think gonna keep rolling. All you gotta do is CGI for the suit. Yeah, you gotta do much. She just right. act. He really gotta be in shape anymore. So you're right. Like, that's that's possible. In there. That's possible. Same with the 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 terrible actor that played the Hulk. That's why I think they went. Ah oh, man, don't disrespect Mark Ruffalo like that, bro. bro he's a terrible just... actor. Like he, <laughs> Mark Ruffalo. God damn, like he's so bad. Have you not seen Now You See Me and what they should have called Now You Don't, but Now You See Me too? Like that, I, that that's great. But in the MCU, he's terrible. He's that's because their Hulk was terrible. I don't he's know. Just, that he's Mark just catching. checks in the MCU right now. That's all that is. That's, that's what, what I do. Shit. A lot of people are doing that though, so I, I, I'm not mad at it though. But yeah, I I, I couldn't see them. I couldn't see them bringing back uh, Robert Downey Jr. Even though if I was Robert Downey Jr., I am asking to come back because his movies suck. Like he's not yeah, exactly right. His movie like, was trash since since he's been out okay, of the wait, MCU. New date was actually a really good. Really, I said movie. after he's left the MCU, he was still in the MCU when that happened. Post MCU, Robert Downey Jr. is not the guy. Like he's no, not getting those Marvel checks I, no more. He don't need them. But uh, I, I, I you don't know that. that. 
I I saw you saw. I mean, nah, uh, he he. Uh, him and his wife got a production come from uh, company now, so they might be getting paid still. You seen yeah, how you look? Like, like, go watch that David Letterman interview. He's not hurting for money, man. Dude is living. living but you got that. You got to. You got to keep, keep that wild up. animals. And you got to keep it up though. And the them Marvel checks, man. You know how much money he got paid for Spider Man for being in that movie for like ten minutes? Yeah, but I'm sure like, like, like twenty I'm million. Sure residual crazy just off the movies, like streaming and toys and T-shirts. He's you also going. But you also. You also want to feed the ego, though. You also want to be like if you're someone like Robert Downey Jr., who has been a megastar for the like, last 20 years, you still want to be like, okay, I can put out a movie and people go see it. Niggas ain't checking for Robert Downey Jr. No but Robert Downey Jr. also was a, a some sort of dope fiend that was probably one snort away from being out of the industry. I'm sure he's <laughs> I'm sure he's glad that he's even where he's at at this point. I feel he's very okay, that was like 20 years ago. You still did. You still have an ego. You still got like, and we were talking. It's the same thing with Richard Sherman, where it's just like, "Hey, this is what I am. This is what I do." And now you're trying to take it away. Like, imagine being Robert Downey Jr. for the last twenty years. You have been the box office guy. You put out a movie, everybody's going to go see it. It's making a hundred million. You're getting paid fifty million. Whatever. People are lining up down the street to go see it. Now you're putting out movies outside of that. Now you're not getting as much revenue. Now people aren't talking about your movies. Now people don't aren't checking for you. Now it's just like, am I done? Is my career over? Is everything done now? Like again, I think that's more projecting. Like he he's an actor, right? He's a professionally trained actor, probably dancer, singer, all kinds of shit. Like those people want to do different stuff. Like this is the same guy that did Tropic Thunder. You know what I'm saying? Like he's out here to do different stuff and experiment and try new things. So I, I think the idea of getting away from being Iron Man, because that's got to get extremely old. He, he probably can't leave the house without people pointing and like, oh, it's Iron Man. I love you 3K, 3,000, all that bullshit. Like, exactly. Hey, same Iron, note, but it's the same. Hey, Iron Man. Okay. They're not saying, hey, Sherlock Holmes. Okay, but it's the They're same. They're not saying, hey, Dr. Doolittle. They his but real it's, name. They it's, just it's, said exactly. Iron Man. And that's oh, the, Tony Stark. That's, that's the problem. When you fit a role so well, same <laughs> with like... I mean, right, but if you saw, if you saw Michael Daniel J. Fox Radcliffe. down the street, you're going to be like, hey, what's up, Michael J. Fox, or what's up, Mar- Marty McFly? I'm you're just, not saying that's, Michael that's, J. Fox. But people, so everybody doesn't like that. Like, Daniel Radcliffe, he is Harry Potter. I have not seen a single Daniel Radcliffe movie outside of Harry Potter. They may be good, but I'm never going to find out because he's Harry Potter. You know what I'm saying? Same thing with Tony Stark, with uh, Robert Downey Jr. He is Iron Man. So it's kind of doing them a disservice that they fit those well, roles so well and they were casted so well. Then now they can't do anything else, and actors want to do different shit. They don't want to be the same character all the time because that defeats the purpose of being an actor. I'm trying to do well, some. Obviously, you have people like Denzel Washington that have played the same exact role yeah, for 30 yeah. years. So <laughs> let's talk about Rain. Okay, so, at some point we gotta, have, we gotta have like a Denzel that. episode I mean, at some point. Uh, <laughs> what is he doing? I mean, but there's some various, but for the most nah, part, they kind nah. of centered around the same personality. This, this dude did training day. It did not even attempt to do a California accent. Like this dude had a straight New York accent the entire movie. Dog. Like you're in you're in Cali riding Lolos and shit, and you sound like you're from Brooklyn. Like come on, dog. put some effort. In I mean, well, what if you didn't grow up in Brooklyn and then just been in nah, a career and now he's not he's not trying. Dog. They at least got to say that in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it. a reality. It's a movie, man. You, everything yeah, yeah. don't need to be explained. Facts. It's facts. It's also facts. Anyways, that's that's all. That's all I had for for all that stuff. Um, 
I think I'm yeah. Watch the Good Doctor. I'm telling you, same with that dude. Uh, whatever is a uh, fucking Freddie Highmore. I don't know if he's good in anything else, but that dude is the Good Doctor to me. I might have to go double back and check out Bates Motel, but that dude is that character to me. Like anywhere I see this dude at, he is the Good Doctor. This dude is a fucking monster on that show. That guy Watch cannot play doctor. anybody normal. He's hmm? always he's always got something going on with him. That kid. He he's also British. Be. He's British too, though. Like of he's course British he is. People. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the British people taking all the jobs. That's who takes you to be worried about. It's the British because they're taking every acting job. Like the entire cast of like True Blood are all British people. It was weird. Yeah. What you telling me, my man? Uh, the fuck was his name? My girlfriend loves that guy. William Copeland. William Yeah, Bill Copeland. He is British. Yeah. And then the other dude, uh, her brother, the country dude. He's British too. That's a goddamn shame. The accent is pretty good, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I guess the American accent is like the easiest to replicate because people would just be walking up and down the streets being American, but they be from all kinds of other countries. So that's sad. Shout out to America not being good at anything but mass shootings. But anywho, yeah, uh, can't even claim basketball no more. Fuck. Yeah, we can't, we can't <laughs> claim that. But anyway, first of all, we can play basketball. Let's not I didn't say we can't play basketball. I said we can't claim we're the best no more. We're, we're the best. Nobody gives a fuck about Nigeria or we got to we got to win the we got to win the gold countries bro. that nobody cares. <laughs> we got to win the gold at least. Anyway, before, even got yet. before somebody says something problematic, I appreciate y'all checking us out. Um, yeah, podcast is podcasting. We out here rocking. Appreciate the support. Definitely subscribe to my YouTube. I think we're at seventy two followers. Uh, once we get to 100, then we will uh, give away something, maybe some money. I know people like money. You know, we're in a pandemic, so. Um, shout- yeah, sh- shout out to the podcast. Uh, if anybody has an Xbox, let me know your gamer tag. I'm trying to get back on my Halo. I've been playing that recently, and I realize that I'm terrible. Um, but it's still fun. It's still, I think it's still more fun than Call of Duty. Cause Call of Duty got a lot going on, but. I like the, the simplicity of running around. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Come on. <laughs> A minute, one hour, 25. <laughs> Let me go ahead and bookmark that so I can edit that. <laughs> but I did want to say something, though. You guys, there's a movie Daniel Radcliffe did play in called Jungle. It's based on a true story. It's actually a really good movie. It came out in 2017 about uh, four friends that were lost in the jungle. Okay. Yeah, so is, it like that, is it like that movie with uh, James Franco just with three people? Yeah, yeah, kind of. But this was based on yeah. two screens, so it's kind of cool. Yeah. Any okay. shout outs? Not, um, what was I going to do? Uh, just uh, this past week, I started back listening to uh, Lil John and the Eastside Boys at the gym, and good God, they are great at what they do. And I was, uh, I think it might have been Los. I was talking to it about it, about um, has anybody had that that type of impact on um, a genre of music from Atlanta the way that they did? Um, but uh, I guess it ties into my song of the week. I'll just go with uh, Who You With from Lil John and the Eastside Boys. And uh, I think I, I shout out to Los for coming on. Uh, if you're part of uh, uh, first shift Twitter, then you definitely know how he gets down. <laughs> <laughs> but we we gotta have him back on because he has some spicy, spicy.
spicy Jay Z takes that we have to talk about. Nigga is trash. I don't understand that. All right, go ahead. See, as soon as I, the innovator of nastiness, say something nasty, I get retweeted, I get ridiculed, held, put my feet to the fire, (laughs) say all kind of nasty, grotesque stuff, and nobody ever checks it all. Like, what's up with the double standard? I don't say nothing nasty. I'm a God-fearing Christian man. I'm talking about Lowski, Wolski, and Marcus Smith. I mean, that's Marcus Smith. Hold on, I direct mine toward my girlfriend, so mine is actually more personal. People just take it the wrong way. It was like, yeah, I can say I like getting peed on, but I'm talking about my girlfriend. Uh, you know? but, uh, but everybody uh, say shit. Or if they do. By Vince Staples. I'm still on uh, Vince Staples. Can't really listen to the gym because it, it, it's pretty depressing. Um, but, yeah, shout out to that boy, GA. Um, shout out to fucking Jazz. Oh, Get y'all man. people to subscribe, all that fun stuff. Um, I'm going to go finish stuff I should have did hours ago, but... I got caught. Oh up. my gosh. But anywho, oh. I'm out. If y'all are gonna keep chatting, be easy. I like that my song of the week is gonna be BTS uh butter. It's gonna be I'm, I'm changing it up. Shout out to the people that do the K-pop. Finally, we get his so you ass about that K-pop bed. So we can finally South Breeze's raggedy ass is gone. So now we can have a real podcast without <laughs> niggas editing everything <laughs> that I say. But I've been trying to get more into K-pop, you know what I'm saying? I got a family member that really loves it. And BTS is the next big thing, man. They're going to be as big as the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. So Are they not to... already the biggest thing? Like, yeah, I, I was about to say, I think they've already reached yeah, that. They're pretty big, but, you know, they still have a ways to go. Uh, it's even like I was... that. <laughs> I was saying, my song of the week uh, actually is several songs and bought all by Big Crit basically to my sub series, but I mostly been listening to Battle of the Bass. That nigga don't miss, so shout out to my dog from Mississippi, though. He does he's miss. A, a I'm from Mississippi. We went to high school together, but thank you. Whoa. Shout out to Maria. What, what, is he, what is he missed on? Uh, another podcast, another time. So, all right, so, so we're gonna have we're gonna Jay-Z have to have we're we'll just gonna counter back on that shit. We're, we're just gonna have to have the the big crit conversation. We're gonna have to have the Jay Z conversation. I if we're gonna have Los on again, then we're definitely gonna have to have the J Cole conversation because that that needs to be had at some point. <sighs> Talking about a fucking miss. J Cole is not even hit or miss. It's just that he had a string of albums that was really great, and then everything after that was just kind of like. Mm. Really great or just mm-hmm. pretty good? Yeah, it's not even Forest Forest Hill Drives was the pretty great. Everything before that was like really good. And then everything after that so far has just been mm, not Cause even because I, I go back and I listen to Forest Hill Drive. Like I ask people all the time, like, all right, y- y'all keep telling me he's got a classic album. What is this classic album y'all are talking about? They always tell me 2014 Forest Hill Drive, and I go back and listen to it. And I find myself skipping like two or three songs. So it's not that the songs are it's not that it's not that the songs are bad, but it's just like at some point, how many I guess that's the question that I that I that that I would ask other people, how many skips is allowed to be on a classic album? Because if you have like two skips, can it be deemed a classic if, if there's three? I, I think it needs to be a percentage, to be honest with you. Because we yeah, can't Yeah, Forcio Drive's only 14 tracks, right? So yeah, and we can't say it's two versus like a, a, something with 21 or like a 
like Tupac, he had a double disc, All Eyes on Me. If there were two misses out of 30 songs, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Was, it yeah. has to be a percentage, in, in my opinion. I give you that. that. That's fair. That's fair. I guess I have to figure out what, like, what is the percentage of songs? Because I, I do feel like I do skip a lot. Not a lot, but I skip way too many songs than I should for an album that is deemed classic by other people. And this is this is coming from someone who was a J. Cole fan. I was on his mixtapes early. I bought all his shit. I was, it was J. Cole, Drake, and Kendrick. And when those three were coming up at that time, I hitched my wagon behind J. Cole. I was like, I'm a J. Cole. Because you kind of had to pick like what kind of guy you were. Like, are you a LeBron guy or a Dwayne Wade guy, a Melo guy? Which you got to pick a guy. And that's what I did. I picked J. Cole. I bought I bought tickets to J. Cole's tour this year. I will be going to see J. Cole live. So I'm not a J. Cole hater. I'm a J. Cole fan. I pay money to go see him and to listen to his music. So just because I have a negative opinion on some of his albums doesn't make me a J. Cole hater. I just want people to be a little bit more honest and realistic about what he's doing. Like, I get it. You're doing stuff. You're you're doing numbers. You're doing the whole went platinum with no features thing. But it's like, at what cost are you doing this at? Do you want to be great or not? And that's my issue with J. Cole. It doesn't seem like he wants to be the greatest. He just wants to be great enough for himself. Okay, so what I'll say is this. To me, if you want to do 90% is like near classic album, then out of his 14, you need to have 12 and a half that hit. Which is a bit, I mean, to me, that's fair because that's like a skip and a half. So, like, maybe saying, Hey, why well, skip, you know, the, or two skips, maybe anything more than that out of 14, it's like, Okay, well, this is just a, a good album. And that's my issue to me when J. Cole was at his peak, was Born Center. Like, that's my that's my favorite one. Born by far is my favorite album by him. It does have a lot of skippable tracks, but it has a <laughs> lot of great tracks to mix in with it. 2014 Forest Hill Drives, I can let it ride through, but it is some songs that if I'm pushed, I'll skip them. So to me, that that's like a good range. I mean, me being in Carolina now, I definitely know what he means to the culture. Um, but to be honest with you, when they all were initially out, you know, for me, and I'm talking about the, the 2010 rappers, I'm going to be honest with you, J. Cole was like, in the last place. Like for me, it was Wale, wow. Kendrick, Big Sean, and then I would slide in uh, J. Cole. And, and, you know, that's just because on the, uh, the, the mixtapes was good. The first album was a bit of a letdown. In my opinion, I can see why you let Nas down. You let Adolphus down too with that. That does but, tend to happen with the, for the artists' first albums. Like if you look at all, all those artists, their first albums, like between Drake J. Cole, Kendrick, Big Sean, Wale, even Nicki Minaj you could throw in there. Drake had probably the weakest album out of all of those artists. And then J. Cole was right behind him. But everybody well, else. Wale's, too, but yeah. Wale's, first, Wale's first album was a bit too commercial. But I felt like the, like the production was too commercial. But the raps were still there. I felt like the bars were still there. But the production, you could definitely tell. They were like, we need to put something on the radio. Like they were forcing it. And then. For me, my issue with J. Cole's first album is that he put a lot of songs that were on the uh, 
the Friday mixtape Night that Lights. came out before, Friday Night Lights. He had a lot of songs off of that mixtape on his first album. So I'm just like, all right, so now I'm getting songs I've already heard. And now these new songs ain't even that great. So like, it's hard for me to, it's, I'm not going to judge someone based off of their first album, because if you look at Drake's first album, he has hella features on there. And as Drake progressed throughout his career, he doesn't sound like that anymore. He's not rapping that way. He's not singing that way. And he's not uh, being propped up by like the, you know, when you, in that time, when you have like the young Jeezys and the little Waynes and the Kanye beat, like that's the label saying like, Hey, this is your first album. We need to do numbers. So if we're going to do numbers, call Jeezy, call Wayne, call Kanye, call Jay-Z, get label mate, mm. Nicki Minaj, get her on there. Like, that's what we're going to do. So for me going forward, not calling Jay-Z for my first album. I, but you, but you know what I mean? As far as like, if I'm a label, <laughs> if I'm a label and I'm trying to sell records, Jay-Z is it back then. That's an artist I would call, but like, we can't judge artists off of their first album and like project what they're going to be throughout their career because for the most part, the label is trying to make the money back. And so they'll do whatever it takes. They'll, you know, cut they'll cut some of the artistic integrity out of that to sell more records. So I feel like, you know, that's why that's why I fuck with J. Cole's second album a little bit more, because it was less commercial. The raps were a little bit harder. He was spitting a little bit, like with a little bit more uh, emotion and intensity, as opposed to what he was doing before that. And then after Born Sinner, he just kind of got away from that. He just went back to, I'm, I'm a, I'm a good rapper. I'm a great rapper, but I'm not trying to be an all-time great. He is. To, to me, what, what happened after that is, he really was like, you know what? I don't want to pay nobody nothing. I'm just gonna do this all by myself. And it was okay for 2014 Forest Hill Drives, but everything after that, his production just is not on point. Like, it so much reminds me of Nas. Like, I don't want to hear that shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I don't want to hear these freaking discount beats. Get Kanye, <laughs> get Just Blaze, get somebody. Anybody. I don't want bargain band, beats. From freaking J. Cole. That's that's my issue. You have Jay Jay Z assigned to you. Jay Z has rapped, and I'm, I keep I, I'm, I'm mad I keep bringing up Jay Z because I know you don't like him. <laughs> but Jay Z has the Crash. phone number. Jay Z has the phone number to every great producer that has ever produced. I would say, like Jay Z yeah, can get the I mean, shit, he, like, he yeah, can get the Neptune, no Just Blaze, all of those guys. Doctor Dre, he can get whoever yeah. you want at least on the phone. And Jay Cole's like, nah, I got this. Like. You listen to someone, and I'm just talking strictly production. You listen to what Tyler the Creator is doing. You listen to what Big Crit is doing. You listen to even, uh, well, no, he didn't. He doesn't produce. But there's certain artists where you listen to their music, their production, and you're like, yeah, they could carry. They can. They could carry an album production wise. They can do some different things. They can give you an an experience. Even someone like Kenny Beats, who is. Not in like a super great producer, but he sounds he does a good job as far as like consistency and the uh his sonic waves and his own sound. Like Mike Will made it. Call him, call anybody, call somebody else. But you are J. Cole is not the kind of producer. I'm just talking strictly production-wise. He is not the kind of producer that's going to give you an hour's worth of great production for him to rap over. It's just not there for him. And he needs to stop. Now, I know he stopped on this last album, but he's still picking some of these beats and he still has a lot of input on them. And it's just like, get in the studio with like Mike Will Made It or Hit Boy 
or somebody, Alchemist, some of these other uh, producers that don't maybe charge as much as the Neptunes, but get somebody in there and lock in with them and let them put, like, I need J. Cole to put out a classic because I I have went to bat for him for a very long time. And at this point, I'm starting to look stupid. <laughs> so I, I need mean, him to I think me. I think J. Cole problem, and I'm from the South, so bias all intended, a lot of his music don't have a lot of bass in it. It's just, it sounds like lo-fi music. Like he just put on a lo-fi playlist, picked out beats, rapped on them, put out an album. That's what J. Cole process seemed like from my perspective. It's it's like, tra- it's trap light, trap light music. Yeah, it's just like I mean, dog, like throw some eight oh eights on one of the tracks and rap on it. It's not hard. It's not going to ruin your artistic uh, credibility, at least not in my eyes. Maybe in his eyes. Like, yeah, the one thing that really kind of pissed me <laughs> off this album was when it came out that he was watching TikTok of Timberland making a beat, and instead of calling Timberland and telling him, "Hey," You make the beat for me. He decided to take the idea and make it his own. And I'm like, bruh, it's freaking Timberland. Like, get the Timberland beat. Like, you sounded amazing on A Star Was Born. Like, in my honest opinion, on that track, he out, he he went toe-to-toe with Jay-Z on that track. It was so good. Over a Timberland beat. I just don't like his beats. Like, it's nothing memorable. Um, There's no personality to him, man. It's, it's no That's personality. That's really what it is. Like, there, I don't he, see. He lacks soul in this production. There's no soul to it. Yeah, like, it's like basically like if Eminem went and produced my album. It's like, bro, oh. yeah, some of them were catchy, but I was like, bro, I'm not fucking killing this shit at the end of the day. It's like, I know that's like extreme slander, but that's the only person I can think of. It was like, yeah, like I'll listen to Eminem albums. The early ones, those shit's got personality. You listen to the most recent ones, it's just like, they like you just made a beat to put some rhymes on, and you just like, all right, let's go. J. Cole kind of doing the same thing. Four Hill Drive had personality to it. What was the one right after Four Hill Drive? The one with him folding clothes for his wife. I know people hate that. For your I, eyes, I love it. I hate See, I love For Your Eyes Only. That album had personality. I don't. I don't. I mean, I'm not saying it's a great album, but at least it has some personality. Now it's just like every time I hear a new J. Cole song, I'm kind of like. Mm. And and I'm a, I'm a nigga that folds I'm a nigga that folds clothes in my house and I hate that folding clothes song. It's stupid. <laughs> it's a dumb song. I don't like it. I mean, it's a dumb song, but I mean, I appreciated him for doing that. I mean, how many niggas rapping about folding clothes for their lady, bro? Nigga, I a lot of them niggas is married. I don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> I mean, nobody wants nobody wants to fold clothes, but the shit was deeper than that. It was more than just the folding clothes. I felt like it needed more though. Like if you're gonna do this whole thing where you're like showing appreciation to your woman, it it came off as a little corny. Like I I feel like I could hear J. Cole, the corny nigga, bro. Like you can't is, be more than what he, you are. He oh, is. Hold on one second. I would just like to say this to that Georgia boy or that GA boy who says it must be two J. Coles because we have some dope. He has some dope beats on his albums. I mean, that's your opinion and you're definitely entitled to it. We're not going <laughs> to ridicule you or flame you for that, but you name a dope track with a dope beat and you know, I'm AC3 Savage on Twitter. Hit me up, man. I, I'll listen to it. I'll give it another shot, but I don't hear any dope beats with him. Like I, I don't. And once again, I'm a, I'm a dirty South boy too. I love 21 Savage last project with, um, uh, with Mike Will, like, it was laced oh. with fire beats. Like, even though 21 Savage isn't a very good rapper at all, them beats, I cut on, I cut them JBLs up, 
and it is, you know, just good to go. Thank you very much, Shan. I'm in here trying to do my homework as well as do this podcast because South Breeze, as always, just uh, exit. Also, if anybody sees, I have a rainbow on my um, business. I just like leprechauns. I was born on March 17th. So y'all go ahead and go on. My bad. But I mean, so, and then you like, all right, I hate to bring up Big Crit again, because like I said, Big Crit don't miss, even though you believe you do, but Big Crit all his beats, for the most part, got sold to him. Like, you could tell where he was trying to go. Like, yeah, there was a couple on live from the underground that was kind of like, yeah, dog, you could have left this off. But everything post-live from the underground, Catalactica, the double disc, uh, Crit is here. Like, you can all hear, like, his like his progression through the uh, beats and, like, like Marcus said, you can hear the soul in that shit, right? Like, yeah, because now once again, I don't know if y'all know this, but me knowing Justin, which is his real name, he he makes his own beats. He's been making it for the longest of time. I remember when he first got on, he was actually making beats for Jeezy too on mixtapes. So, you know, and he he's as skilled a producer as he is a, a rapper. I'll give him that credit. And I and I think I said this on Twitter. Like, I'm not saying that. Big Crit is on the same level lyrically as Outkast, but when he was on Def Jam, he was kind of in that mold of like he's a super southern guy who sticks to his roots and makes southern music and is lyrical and is a lyricist. So you think of like UGK, Outkast, and a dope producer, put that all into one artist. And you have Big Crit, and you have him on your roster, and you're able, you have the ability to mold him and turn him into a superstar, and you just fumble it to the point where he's now an independent artist, and you can't like I, it. It boggles my mind how like you can look at so you can see the talent with Big Crit, you can hear the talent, you can you can listen to his rapping style, you can listen to his production style. You can watch his performances. You can see that, hey, this guy is going to be a star. This guy has superstar talent. The same thing happened with Wale. You can hear it in his lyrics, in his poetry. He's got the personality. Some people don't really like his personality. He's gotten a little bit better. But you can see the talent is there. And these labels are just not able to get them to the point where they're in the forefront of these conversations. It the conversation should not just be, you know, Drake, Kendrick, J. Cole. That's not the conversation, honestly. The conversation should honestly just be Kendrick and Drake. That's who it should be when we're talking about the top guys. Because J. Cole is not on the same level lyrically as Kendrick, and he's not on the same level when it comes to sales, impact, uh, views popularity as drake he's not on that level so he shouldn't be mentioned in that vein with those two guys j cole is in that second tier and, and i'm not saying that big crit is a second tier artist but he's like big crit isn't doing kendrick or drake, or drake numbers so he's in that second tier with he should be in that second tier with j cole big sean wale Nicki minaj uh i already said big sean but like you know you know what i'm saying like there's 
there should be levels to this stuff. And I say that with when it comes to classic albums, when it comes to superstars in the NBA, everybody is not a superstar in the NBA. Devin Booker, you can compare him to Kobe Bryant. He is not Kobe Bryant. He is not a superstar. Chris Middleton is not a superstar. Uh, Chris Paul is not a superstar. There's only three superstars in the NBA right now for me. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry. There's a lot that goes into it, but that's it. But there should be a high standard. There's not 15 superstars in the NBA. Russell Westbrook isn't a superstar. Don't just put you can't just put we can't just put it because and, and I said this about classic albums. If you're gonna tell me that J. Cole has two to three classic albums, then everybody's got classic albums because there's no way that you're telling me. I would only make the argument that J. Cole has one, but I looking back, I was like, mm, that's kind of pushing it but it's not a thing where, for just the one but it's not a thing where it's like it's an undisputed like if i say uh good kid mad city that's a classic album no one's gonna be like well i don't know man maybe yeah if i say if i say stank on you is a classic album you're not gonna get a lot of pushback if i say the blueprint is a classic album you might push back on it but the majority of people are gonna be like yeah the blueprint's a classic the production on blueprint so <laughs> i'll admit that production i have a quick question for the both of you got a quick question for the both of you Dark Sky Paradise, you know, 20, what, 16 for Big Sean? Does J. Cole have an album that's better than that? I, I would say that's a classic to me. And I, 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 I like Dark Sky Paradise, too. I can't comment because I don't listen to Big Sean like that. Big Sean, if J. Cole is corny, Big Sean is like the next level of corny, so a lot of his music is just like, yeah, bro, I'm not... Trust me, listen to that album. It, it is a well put together album. Like it, it is. I'd be I, trying I to get the man a chance if but I skip anything. I'd be trying to get that man a chance, but a lot of his music just be like, bro, what the fuck was this? It's like I it's, just how I feel. Dark Sky Paradise is definitely his best album, and that had me excited for the rest of his career. Like his next album kind of fell off a little bit. He's he's never got back to that space. Like he's he hasn't been able to reach. Uh, that peak of his career, uh, Big Sean has. So, if you told me like I can only listen to Dark Sky Paradise or any other J Cole album, it's gonna be between that and Born Sinner for me, and I I would probably lean to towards Born Sinner. But the fact that it's even questionable that Big Sean could have an album that's better than J Cole's is how I know that they're in that same tier because you're not putting uh. Uh, that big Sean album against any Kendrick album. You're not doing it. And you're probably not doing it. You might do it for some Drake albums, but as far as like numbers wise, you can't do it. Like it's there's there Drake ain't got no fucking classics either. So but and it but that's the thing. But he has there's other things, there's other factors that are involved with Drake that has those metrics are those metrics do not count because we're talking about the part the work and not the fucking people who buy the work. Not not when it comes to not when it comes to being a classic album, but when I when we talk about like being a top tier artist, that's kind of the same thing that I say like about Michael Jackson, where it's just like you know the music might not have gotten better as he aged, but he still was able to put up the numbers as if he was still putting out Thriller and Off the Wall. The numbers never faltered. He was putting up numbers that no one else was doing. So you do have like I do have to give Michael Jackson credit for that. I can never say like. Michael Jackson, 
doesn't deserve to be mentioned among the greats because look at the numbers that he did. Like, but if you want to talk about just strictly artistry, like vocals, songwriting, instrumentals, all that stuff, now I can start kind of taking him down a peg. And that's the same with Drake. If I'm just like, hey, just listen to the music. Don't get on Instagram because Drake is great at uh, putting Instagram captions in his lyrics. Like, whenever I'm on Instagram, I'm like, yo, I got a Drake bar that would go go crazy with this every time. And he's great. And there's there is a skill to that. But when we're just talking about, hey, put your headphones in. Don't look at anything else. Just listen to the music. Is he on the same level as these other artists? And the answer depends on who the artist you're comparing it to. But like with Kendrick, I can just put his music on and know like, hey, this is an all timer here. Like people are talking about him being, you know, top five all time. They're not doing that with Drake. I don't think. Well, of course not. Drake ain't, Drake can't rap bar for like not even bar for bar. It's just like you song for song. Drake can't hang with Kendrick. That's not too many people can. But that, but there's only the one end. person. There's that, only that, one person I would elevate to that level that's still making music right now. And who is that? Crit. There's the only other person that still makes music Crit right now that can do the Drake. What? Crit is let's All right, bro. Let's hold on, hold on, hold up. Hold up, hold up. He's hold talking about like, you're just talking let's, strictly lyrical ability. We're talking about strictly ability. lyrical. Okay, okay. This is lyrical ability. I get it. But let's not sit here and act like Drake is in rap. Drake's not trash, but that nigga's just not he great. He is difference. as good of a hit maker as we've ever seen. Like, I, I would only There's I would only put him person. up with Jay-Z and that's it as far yeah, and, as... And that is my problem. And that is the, my problem The production right there. that he's Jay-Z. on, the, the features, like anything Drake touches outside of his own personal albums... Is always playing the amount of artists that he's put on. If you get a Drake feature, you're on. Like Lil Baby, I mean, I'm not an ATLian or Atlian, whatever they call themselves, <laughs> but I'm sorry if I don't know what it's called. I'm not from Georgia. I'm the ATLian, bro. They say it on the album, right? ATLian, Atlian, whatever. They say it on the anyway, album. Like, have you I'm never listened to ATLian? Right, but I'm just out from Florida, so I don't I'm know. Just, I'm just, and I used to live in Florida. I identify as a Floridian <laughs> when I can because they'd be messing up a lot. But Drake can, I mean, like even with Lil Baby, like I didn't know who that was. I mean, Drake I know Lil Baby more from Twitter like, than oh, I do. This other dude, Drake. he's okay. And, and it's like Drake bought him to life, or even um, <laughs> it, it's just been a lot of songs that anytime that he's featured on something. He brings that stardom to that artist like no one else has done before. To my, to my thing, like getting his feature. I'm sorry, Atlian, whatever y'all, y'all niggas know. I'm trying to do my homework. All right, we're giving y'all benefit okay. of the doubt by coming no, on this Drake podcast. Is, Drake I don't need people telling me Atlian and Atlian. If you get the Drake stimulus package, yeah, you're gonna blow up. Some some cats fumble the bag. Look at the uh, JB Block Boy. You ain't heard a song from him since then. Yeah. But that's my thing, though. Drake is Jay-Z. I don't like Jay-Z. So Drake is kind of sliding into that place where I'm starting not to like him. For everybody to say that Jay-Z is so great, there's a string of albums that nobody fucking talks about that Jay-Z dropped. Drake is in that same mode. Name like, albums. Let's, let's go to what you, for which one. 
I can do both. Let's, let's go there. I can do both. Are we turning the hat backwards? Are we getting serious? No, I'm turning the hat backwards. Tell me why you're the album's for. Let's stick with Drake. Let me save my homework real quick. Okay, let's stick with Drake. Let's stick with albums that. Let's stick with Drake right now then. Okay. No, no, no. I don't want Drake because Drake, I know Drake. Oh, you want Jay-Z? Oh, okay, Jay-Z. So Jay-Z albums. All right. Jay-Z. So I would be honest with you. I didn't like most of Jay-Z stuff until he dropped the Black album. Wow. I went back and listened to Volume 3 and the Dynasty. I was like, yeah, those shit was fire. Blueprint, like I said, production was on point. That nigga lyrics, mm. But we're going to go to after the, Blue, or after the Black album. Blueprint 3, trash. American Gangster was fire, but then you also got Kingdom Come. He got Magna Carta, Holy Grail, and he got 444. Only like two albums that he dropped since the Black Album that was actually decent. And that was American Gangster and 444. Everything uh, else is like fucking forgettable, bro. And I, did, I think I did ask that question on Twitter because we, ta- we were talking about something as far as like, uh, it might have been the same thing about like classic albums. I was just like, uh, who, who was I talking about? I was talking, it might have been either J. Cole or somebody. But no, I was saying that. Um, your favorite rapper, you know, doesn't have as many classics as like Kanye West or something like that. Cause Kanye has at least, you know, three classics or whatever, but like your favorite rapper doesn't have three classic albums. And people were just like, well, what about Jay-Z? And I'm like, does Jay-Z have three classic albums? Exactly. And, does Jay-Z but, 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 have fucking three classics? He's got two me, at when least. I, when I asked people that people started throwing out, like some people were saying he has like four or five. And I, I am I am the total opposite of Los. I am a Jay-Z stan. I think Jay-Z is the greatest rapper ever. He's number one for me all the time. Mm. But but Jay-Z, in my opinion, as a Jay-Z stan, he only has three classic albums. Like Reasonable Doubt, Blueprint, and American Gangster. Black Album is not a classic. 444 is not a classic. Blueprint 2 is not a classic. Volume 2, Volume 3, Dynasty, those albums are not classic. Those albums are good. The black album is the black album would have been better had he actually retired. But we Yeah, Black we, Album would have been a classic if he didn't come back. And I bought the I bought the DVD concert that. for that. I feel like it, it it does matter. It does matter. But we can't I, I'm not gonna sit here and do this thing where it's like, okay, I like Jay-Z. Jay-Z is my favorite rapper. So that means everything Jay-Z puts out is a classic. And that's what a lot of people are doing. Like, I remember niggas was tweeting at 12, 10. AM talking about oh this J Cole a classic, this is a classic album. I'm Ain't not, no way. <clears throat> we Ain't can't no do. Way. We can't. That that can't be a thing. It can't. That can't be the standard towards like oh I listened to this album one time while I'm half asleep in my bed. This album a classic. No. Hey, wait, hold up, hold up. Future got more classes than Jay Z, and I will fight anybody no, on the point about that. <laughs> what you, no, no, what you mean? DS two, Pluto three D, fucking Beast Mode one and two. Honest. Bro, I just named five albums. You telling me he ain't got more classics than? Uh... Sorry, man, I had to do that because you are <laughs> out of control at this point. You can go ahead and unmute yourself a little. <laughs> I don't ever include reasonable doubt in my classics because I was alive during that time. I'm a grown man. People weren't checking for Jay Z like that. Now, in retrospect, going back, it was a really good album. To me, it's Blueprint One, American Gangster. And Black Album was a really, 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 really good album. But I don't know if I would give it a classic or not, but those are his three from me. And he still has other really great albums as well. And it's like, it doesn't matter 
because so many artists don't even have a classic album, let alone two, let alone three or four. Like, let's not get it misconstrued here. Like Jay-Z, when it comes to picking beats, production, and lyricism, mm -hmm. he's mm -hmm. up there. He's he's an A. When you got the machine behind you, how hard a plus, A plus. When you got the whole industry behind well, first off, like Trick Daddy said when Biggie died, he had a roll to step right the fuck up into. So there's that. And then when the machine is behind you, how how hard is it to get the best producers to produce? He put out the hits, man. He, he put the hits are so there. when you but, but no? for, for, for Jay-Z, you also have to give Jay-Z some credit because he was he was one of the first um New York rappers to kind of reach out to um, Southern artist, and he has uh, Raekwon did it first, bro. I'm not. I'm not saying he was, but I'm talking about for for my age, like for our age group, because we weren't listening to Rock Him in fucking 2002. Okay, like, it's that Raekwon. It's that Raekwon. My bad, um, not Rock Him. Raekwon. Raekwon is who I meant. But when we talk about like he he did get on a song with Juvenile, which was trash. He got on the High remix that was ass. But like the reaching out to UGK to do a song like, and Pimp C told him no like three times, and he still was like, hey. Let me get. Let me do a song with you guys, cause he's, cause he saw it. He he saw like, hey, southern rappers are doing their thing. These guys are blowing up down there. Let me try to get on this wave. Also, he's he's done songs with uh, multiple songs like the, with Andre 3000. He's had Big Boy on his album. He's had Killer Mike on his album. He's worked with Ti. He's worked with uh, UGK. He's worked with. Uh, Ludacris. Ludacris. Um, yeah. Who else? Like, um, I mean, he, I, I had no problem with Jay Z coming down again the artist to make him popular down here. Because I mean, for all I care, Big Pimpin is a UGK song. I don't see that as a Jay Z song. Okay, so let me everybody ask you know this. Pimp C Everybody, everybody is is Jay Z a top seven rapper of all time for you? I, I don't want to hear what his accolades are. I don't want to hear what everybody else thinks. In your opinion, is he in your top seven rappers all time? I mean, yes, but it's because when you really break but it all down, there's nobody. That, but go ahead. But I'm just saying, if you really break it down, there's nobody. There's not too many people that's truly, truly out rapping Jay Z, especially when he was in his prime between Volume Three and the Black Album. Yeah, nobody was fucking out rapping Jay Z. I'll admit that. That means he was putting out classic albums at the same time. When that nigga was getting to it, he would wrap his ass off. So I'm I'm okay putting my bias aside. But like I said, if Biggie didn't die, would we even be having this conversation? We'd be fucking talking about Biggie. Now I probably wouldn't even like Biggie. That nigga probably would have dropped something that I thought was mid, but he never had the opportunity. So. <laughs> life after death, but go ahead. I mean, but did he drop life after death? Or did it was done? Did he drop life? I mm, it, it was done. And life after done. death was actually a solid double disc. That shit, if it was a single album, no, not double disc, it probably would be a classic. It, it was a good album, but to me, I felt like with that one, because he died, it became a classic. If you had I mean, like, can you say the ones. same thing about Tupac? Like his last album was it is it a classic? Talking about Machiavelli? Yeah. No. See? But people fucking hold that shit so high because he died right before it came out. Like people be like, yeah, that's a great album. I listened to that album so many times in my life, and I was just like, it's straight, yeah. but it's mm. at at some point we do have to do this thing where it's like some of these older rappers, some of these like you know uh, 
Godfathers of Rap, they're going to start falling out of our top tens. Like I, yeah. I, I, I haven't, <clears throat> I haven't done a list in a while, but I'm pretty sure Biggie is no longer in my top ten. And I, I, and I know for a fact, like Lupe Fiasco, I have him above Biggie Smalls at this point. For I mean, career. but just body Lupe, of work. But the only album I didn't like about Lupe was Food of Liquor too, and that's because the label forced him to put it out. That's the only one I don't like. Well, it's it's a thing where it's just like, at some point, Biggie only has two albums. Yeah, he only has so much work. He only has so much of a body of work. Like I, I cannot, I cannot look at what Biggie has done and then look at what, say Kendrick. Kendrick's put out Section Eighty, Good Kid, Mad City, Damn to Pimp a Butterfly, and Untitled Unmastered. That's five projects right there. And if you want to count the Black Panther project. Black Panther soundtrack, you can do that too. That's six projects. I can't say that Biggie's two projects are bigger than, are better than what Kendrick has done in six albums. I can't say that. I can't continue just like, yeah, man, but Biggie, but Biggie put out these two classic albums. Like, did he? Well, I know one of them is a classic, but the other one's still on the fence, and you only got those two. So those two albums, no matter what, I can't put nobody above him. I can't put no one ever above Tupac. Like, at some point, some of these people are going to start falling down by the wayside. It's, and, and it happens in sports. At some point, you know, uh, Joe Montana falls out of people's top three. Or uh, Larry Bird falls out of people's top five. It happens with time. But, like, I'm not just leaving. No one is cemented in their spot at this point for me. And it shouldn't be. And I, I actually was, um, I was on TikTok earlier and they were talking about basketball and what they were essentially saying was this this dude was like hey you old heads he was talking about you know our our brethren that were born in the late 60s early 70s he was like y'all get into these this this person's the greatest of all time nothing will ever surpass it and and like it's hard to rate certain people if you're my age because I, I did not see Bill Russell Will Chamberlain they're I, not I in top ten. Very end of like fucking Jabbar, Roberts, posh. I'm not like I'm not I'm not doing that. Like, I, it doesn't make sense for me to put Bill Russell in my top ten when he retired 10, 10 to twenty years before I was even born. Like what the exactly. fuck? How do how do that I look is, doing that? That's right. How we like rap. Like even when I hear people say, "Oh, well, Rakim or no. Big Daddy Kane." Okay, no. those dudes they were cool for their time. There, there's probably ten to fifteen rappers today that can outrap either one of them because the game has just changed. Like that's yeah, just how it is. And I respect what they did for the game and their impact on it. Like I'm not gonna sit here and be like, "Oh, Bill Russell ain't shit." Oh, Rakim ain't shit. Like I understand what they did, their impact, all the stuff that they did going forward. The same with Bill Russell, Kareem. I just cannot do that. And I and I also when I talk when I talk about rap on Twitter. And I say something like when I say like Jay-Z is the greatest rapper of all time and someone comes to me and is like, no, you're crazy. I ask them, <clears throat> it's not a thing where I'm being disrespectful, but I will ask them like, hey, how old are you? Because if you're saying like, hey, Jay-Z is not the greatest rapper of all time. And I'm like, well, OK, well, how old are you? And you say 21. I'm like, OK, I get that. I can understand why your 21 year old self would think that Jay-Z isn't. The greatest rapper of all time because shit me at twenty one I still thought that nigga was ass so yeah I get that okay too. We get, <laughs> but, but, but you get but you get what I'm saying like there's there's not a there's not a twenty one year old uh 
kid out here that has Biggie Smalls or Tupac in their top five because they weren't alive at their peaks or at any point during their point, the point of their careers where they were relevant. So why would they? Like, I'm, we we can't expect people to have the same musical uh, taste and ideas that we have. Like, yeah. Outkast is the greatest group of all time. Some people think Drake and Future are the greatest group of all time, but those people are 17 mm. years old. And Outkast hasn't been rapping as a group for almost it's been almost 12 years yeah over 10 it's years been a while so i i understand that so i'm not gonna fault them for being young and that's the same like i'm sure there's guys older than me when i'm like hey jay-z is a great trapper all of all time they're like well, okay what about krs1 i'm like fuck krs1 i'm not gonna <laughs> that shit this is for the <laughs> kids read a book about that. trying to hear that shit I hear this alphabet rap. Like, I don't give a shit about Bruh, that. I hear this stuff. I'm like, what? What in the world? I'm like, this is terrible. But like, yeah, I was, man, I was like, nigga, I grew up. I grew up with trap music. Was like at its infancy. Like, 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 uh, these new cats. Like, I guess Dirk and Baby are technically drill rappers, but I think they get lumped into trap music too. But I'm like, bro, yeah. them niggas not hitting as hard as Gucci and Jeezy and Ti back in the day. It's like nah. shit ain't trap music. This is pop music. I don't know, but then like, well, them niggas don't know. OTI. They know. Well, I'm not even gonna lie. Before all the scandal, if you asked me five years ago, I would have told you that Ti was my personal favorite. All yeah, me time. too. That he was like Tupac, and, and you know, like like I tell people, I was on the West Coast when the East Coast, West Coast beef was going on. I was on the West Coast when Tupac died. I was right outside of L.A. And Tupac meant a lot for me, but he, he wasn't the best lyricist. Yeah. He wasn't the best storyteller. He was a workaholic, which was good. I mean, he has a ton of work, but I feel like he had a two-album run that was just great. Some of the older stuff, it wasn't really all that good before he started changing to the more hardcore stuff. And it's like, eventually I had to look at myself and say, in order for me to grow as a person, I got to let this affliction for Tupac go because it's like, you can't sit here and fight for the next 50 to 60 years and say Tupac is, is your greatest of all time. At the end of the day, Kendrick Lamar has, has surpassed him as a West Coast rapper I'll even go as far, and this might be super controversial. The game is a better West Coast artist and a better artist in general than Tupac. Mm. A better rapper. The mm. production. I don't listen to the game enough to even have that I like. I like. The, I like the game. game I, think he, I think he has some. Yeah, I think he does have some classics under his belt. I think the game is actually underrated as a rapper at this point because he is so terrible on social media that he he has become underrated. Him and um, like Wale and stuff like that, but. Yeah, that, that, and and as fans of rap, like we should want other artists to sur supplant our favorites because that means the art form is still growing and there's still people coming up that are taking it seriously. Like I can say, like, hey, I want Jay Z or Nas to just carry the throne and be number one and two for the rest of my life. But if that's the case, that means there isn't a Kendrick Lamar pushing his pen to the next level. There isn't someone like Big Crit pushing his pen, pushing his production to the next level. Or for the younger kids, someone like Lil Baby that's coming up. Or, you know, I don't know any that many of the younger rappers. But, I, but I'm not one of those guys. Like, I feel like for us coming up, a lot of the old heads would like, oh, you listen to Ludacris? That's not real rap. 
you know, you listen to UGK, that's not real rap outcast. What the fuck are they talking about? But I feel like <clears throat> I feel like our generation, when some of these new young rappers are coming up, I feel like we're giving them more of a chance. Like we might not uh put them on our playlist. We might not like big them up a lot, but I don't feel like we're sh- like we're not shitting on Lil Uzi Vert. You know what I'm saying? Like I, if Lil Uzi Vert came out in the 90s, cats would be crushing that kid. They'd be like, no, get oh, yeah. this. Oh, yeah, that nigga would have got laughed out of the game. Yeah, get this redheaded, you know, why does he have a diamond <laughs> in his forehead? Get him the fuck out of here. Like they wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been accepted in the culture. Tyler, the creator, is not getting accepted in the 90s for being as weird as he was. Kanye West might not have been accepted in the 90s either. But we are, uh, we're as a culture, we are getting a little bit more accepting to a lot of the quote-unquote weirdo, weirdo rappers and we're being more accepting of the rappers who aren't drug dealers, who aren't gang members, who aren't in the street life, who are just regular. Like Drake is the biggest rapper in the world. He has never been affiliated with any type of gang activity, any type of drug dealing, any of that type of stuff. And we still accept, well, not everybody accepts him, but he's mm. still the number one guy. J. J. Cole. J. Cole is a college graduate who was rapping in college. Like, he has zero street life, street credibility of any kind. And he is still one of the top rappers on the top of the charts today. And that's different from back in the day. Like, they wouldn't have let that happen. Nah, because, I mean, shit, Snoop was banging when he came out. I know Pop, I mean, I can't say he was banging, but he was affiliated at least. And shit, you that shit's even read until like the early thousands. Like, uh, game was uh, blood, Wayne was claiming blood, like a lot of cats was claiming that shit. So, I get that. Um, I mean, shit, even 10 years ago, Uzi might not have been accepted in the game. That was 2011. So, it's kind of, I mean, and I do give a lot of newer artists, like, I mean, I know I part. I, I don't listen to Uzi, but I definitely wouldn't have listened to that nigga back 10 years ago. Like, I know when, uh, what's his name? The one that kind of sound like a, a super auto-tune Lil Wayne, his name is losing me right now. Yeah, I think you're talking about Lil Baby. No, 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 not Lil Baby. The other Young one from Thug. Atlanta. Young Thug. That's hey, what that's what I'm saying. Like, I remember... <laughs> I remember when he first came out, and I was like, bro, get this nigga off the radio. But as time went on, I started listening to his music a lot more, and I was like, this nigga actually kind of spitting. So I think it's up to our generation and the new generation, because we got to relax. We kind of got to stop gatekeeping. We got to gatekeep the white people, because fuck them. Don't let them in, except like maybe two or three a year. That might be too much still, because post- Should be like a percentage. I yeah, like maybe so exactly, right? They get trash, but we should we shouldn't gatekeep the young kids because like no other genre really does that, and we should let these kids kind of make their music because some of them do take it to the next level. My saying, and everybody's like a Michael Jackson of rap. I doubt it, but you never know. Yeah, but that's yeah. that. That is what we want to have happen. We want to push the culture forward. We want other rappers to be able to come up and have a space to be who they are, and be successful. And yeah, except for the white ones. So, 
I just don't, I don't understand how that, how that happens. There's too many white rappers, bro. Like, there's some that I fuck with, like Paul Wall, Bubble Sparks. I even fuck with Yellow Wolf, and I know there's probably some issue with that that I probably don't know about, but then you got people like Takashi 69 who isn't white, but still it's bad enough. Well, I don't know if it's more so the white rappers, but I think it's more so the people in charge, like people at the labels and at uh, companies and that are marketing these people. Like the type of promotion that Takashi 69 was getting shouldn't be more than what, say, Rhapsody is getting. Like Rhapsody gets nothing. No, and I feel like I always go back to her, but it's just like it bothers me how little promotion she gets. And I, we can actually go to um, – R&B talking about Normandy, where you look at Normandy and you're like, okay, she's got the look. She's got supermodel looks. I've listened to her sing. She can sing. She can dance. I'm, she might have personality. I'm not sure because I don't follow her that well. But mm. I look at everything that she does and I'm like, for the last five years, they've been saying, oh, Normandy's up next. Normandy's that next it girl. Every year they keep telling me this. And every year... It's never, this is Normandy's year. It's never her year. It's always, oh, she's up next. And now it's gotten to the point where she just put out a single on Friday and now she's got, she's on the Cardi B stimulus plan. And I feel like if this single with Cardi B doesn't do anything, Normandy might just not, she just might not be it. And I don't think it's yeah, a thing. She with, might not. It's, I don't, and I don't think it's a thing with her. I don't think she's lacking the talent, the ability, or the look. It's just that the people that are in charge, don't know how to market her and push her as the superstar that she should be because she checks all the boxes and she's going to make you a lot of money. So how come they can't do it with her? I I have a theory and I think most of it has to do with her skin tone and then partially because like, I mean, I couldn't name one of her songs, but I'm also not a big R&B fan, so I don't listen to a lot of it, but... I mean, how many big R&B stars in the last 10 years have been her skin complexion or even, like, slightly darker? As far as, like, the biggest, biggest one, I think, well, it, uh, what's her face? I don't know if she is as dark, but does Lizzo count? See, but Lizzo... I don't like, know if that counts. It's, it counts but then lizzo also crosses another boundary of her being a plus size woman and i don't want to make this sound the wrong way but plus size women are kind of in they're in style right now and i think she has that more going for her than being a darker skinned girl like most of the girls that are popular with the exception of meg the stallion are on the lighter side well yeah if we're, if we're talking about rappers like i know uh dreezy is not as popular she's a she's dark skinned um, I think Young Baby Tate is a little uh, darker, but yeah, most of it, like, Dreezy is never going to be as popular as Sweetie. Sweetie's mm -hmm. always going to be more popular than Dreezy because of, you know, white supremacy and the, you know, whatever, uh, American beauty standards. And, and, and that's no shade at Sweetie. Like, I like Sweetie enough as an artist. Like, I know what I'm getting from her, so this is not about her. But there is a thing where marketers and um labels need to be able they need to be better at their job you cannot have you cannot have someone as talented as big crit as talented as wale as talented as uh rhapsody as talented as normandy as talented as jasmine sullivan 
and you can't market them and make money with them. There's no way that should be happening. Cons- consistently. It happens consistently. I mean, it's hard. Well, you know why I think Jay's or excuse me, Big Crit didn't blow up. But outside of him, I think it's hard for certain teams to find lanes to market them. Like, I don't think at the time Dev Jam was like, damn, we should probably do the second revolution of the South. Like, nobody was thinking that because Atlanta was still blowing up. Who would think, oh, well, there's this other guy from Mississippi. Maybe we should say the South is starting to do, like, a second wave. Because New York had a second wave. New York had, like, three waves when they first started rapping. And they didn't have to market it because they was, like, the only ones rapping at the time. But I think if it was a different wave. Somebody would have tried to market every wave of New York. Mm-hmm. Same thing with <clears throat> excuse me, Jasmine Sullivan. It's just, like, for whatever reason, nobody's found a lane to be able to market her in a well enough light so she could take it like because she could be maybe not the next Beyonce, but maybe she would have been right right behind Beyonce. Yeah. I mean, she's one of the already in the conversation as one of the greatest singers of all time. But the, uh, back to the other question about like uh, darker skin R&B singers to blow up, SZA. Yeah, SZA did blow up. SZA is really like, mm. SZA did blow up, but I feel like I hate that that rumor that came out about why she blew up. I don't like that because I was like, bro, y'all just don't think that the girl's talented enough to get on. What? What? We'll talk about it later. I don't want to bring that up on here, but anyways, she is a very talented. She's a very talented. Singer and but don't she only have? I mean, she has two albums. Yeah, she did put out two or, albums. I, okay. I, I'm not sure they, they probably considered the other one like an, EP, <laughs> an, an EP type deal. Yeah, because I know she had the the first one. I remember like maybe a few years ago she had the second one, but I don't think it was a full album. But I think with her is because she had a actual label stand behind her and constantly pump out. Uh. Like her music, like get on social media. That's the thing. A lot of thing with these companies, a lot of them don't know how to really work their social media pages to be able to promote their artists. Because I mean, that's how I find out a lot about artists is through social media. So, and I'm not saying that's the only way. I just don't listen to radio anymore. So, yeah, I'm radio not hearing is gone. too much. But that's the thing. You're not hearing too much new music on the radio because who's really listening to it? So you got to find out where the people are at on TV, on YouTube, on social media, you have to be able to market it in them. And I think TDE was just effective at marketing SZA on social media. That's why people know her so well. And that's why she was able to blow up. And I mean, she was on, I know she was on most of Kendrick's stuff when when he first started to get real popular. She was on the Black Panther soundtrack. She was on both of, uh, what's his name? Uh, J-Rock's albums. I think she had a song with, Schoolboy Q. I think she didn't she do something with Isaiah Rashad? Like she was everywhere. Yeah, she's on all their so, stuff. So is is Jasmine Sullivan everywhere? Is really. is uh Normandy everywhere? Like they are not just and I think that's a lot of reason why uh Megan Thee Stallion was able to kind of blow up. She was just everywhere when she first came out. So I you remember there was like there, I remember the freestyle she dropped when that was like four or five years ago, there was a little bit of time where you didn't hear anything about her, but then she just 
constantly just started putting out music, putting out music, putting out music. She was everywhere for weeks. And everybody knew her name. But you also have to have a balance, though, because I feel like she was kind of getting into that area where she was becoming oversaturated, where it was just like, okay, now you're too many places. Like, you're all over the place where it's just like, now people can't turn around without seeing you. Like, there, there, there does have to be a thing where, as fans, there has to be some sort of mystery to you as an artist. Like, we do need to kind of, you do have to sometimes take a break. Like, Kendrick takes a break. Uh, Beyonce mm-hmm. takes breaks whenever she wants to. Um, J. Cole takes a break. He's not always out in your face. There's, I don't know what it is about it, but there's something about an artist not being around all the time that makes you appreciate them when they come back. And it's hard to appreciate some of the stuff that Megan does when she's always doing stuff. Because it's just like, all right, well, she's still doing this. Not saying she's doing the same thing, but she's still out here pumping out music. And it's like, all right, just let's take a break. You know, go live life, get some experience, some life experience, uh, grow up a little bit, recharge the battery, and then come back out doing what you doing what you do. But yeah, you do have to kind of uh, have to have your artists out there a little bit more. And that that was actually a, an issue I did have with J Cole was on, and I've, I I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm hating on this guy or shitting on him, but on one of his albums where he went platinum with no features. She mm-hmm. had back. She had. She was singing the chorus or singing background vocals. Ari Lennox is your artist. You signed her. You said that she was dope because you put your name on her. But but you won't list her as a feature on your album because you have to do this thing where I went platinum with no features. You won't put her name on it because. Your fans, your stands, the Dreamvillians or coal miners or whatever the fuck they call themselves are like, well, if he puts featuring Ari Linux, then when this goes platinum, because he always goes platinum, it's a there's an asterisk on it because, oh, well, uh, he didn't do it without a feature. And it's like, Ari Linux is your artist. Why aren't you putting her on more of your stuff? Or if you put her on your stuff, put her fucking name on it. That's your artist. You don't you want her to make you money? Isn't that the point of signing her? Like, obviously, if you sign her, you like her voice, you like the music she's putting out, you like her personality. Cool. If you put her on your album, put her name on your album so people can be like, hey, who's this Ari Lennox? Let me hit the YouTube. Oh, she signed to Dreamville. Oh, let me check out a couple of her songs. Okay, I like this artist. Maybe I will continue to listen to her. Maybe I will now go buy. Uh, one of her albums. Maybe I will go see her in a at a show, at a pop-up show, or anything. But because J. Cole is a selfish artist who wants to do everything on his own, and he wouldn't put her on the title track, the track list, she doesn't get that. And it's bad business on J. Cole's part. I agree, because uh, actually I forgot all about Art Lennox, and I love that album, uh, Shea Butter Baby. I feel like even for that, as great as that album was, it was such a slow burn because nobody was talking about her for a long time. And then I think uh, Break Me Off came out and everybody just loved the song. And that's what kind of put her on. And I was like, and then I didn't find out till months after that, that she was on Dreamville. So I'm like, bruh, J. Cole, bruh, everybody knows you. Everybody, I wouldn't say everybody pays attention to you, but if you were to say, yeah, Ari Lennox is on my on my label. Here's her single, "Break Me Off." 
everybody would put all eyes on her, but he didn't make the effort. And I think she was on uh, the Dreamville album too, right? Yeah, she was on a song with them. But this yeah. is this, this was an issue. This in this is, I guess, my like I said, this is my issue with J. Cole as far as him being like a, a head of a of a label or whatever it is. You're signing these artists and you're not pushing them. And I, I got into a discussion with uh who was it? Um GA Boy, I think it was, where it was just like Hey, I, J. Cole can't make these guys popular. He can't go out there and promote this these projects more than them. And my issue with that was, is that I didn't know that J.I.D. and Earth Gang put out a collab album last year. I didn't know they did that because it wasn't promoted. J. Cole didn't tweet it out. He didn't Instagram. I went and looked through it. And I'm just like... I'm not saying you have to, you know, uh, put everything on your Instagram post about what your artist is doing, but for the initial on the release date, as the guy who signed these guys, it isn't, it doesn't cost you that much to be like, Hey, the artist that I signed and that I pay for just put out a project, go listen to it, send tweet. That's it. Or take a picture Instagram or just give it get an intern to do it. I'm not asking you to tweet out their albums every day 50 times a day. I'm saying do it one time. And J. Cole doesn't seem to do that. And I will give TDE credit for this. Granted, they don't release music as much as I would like them to. Because I think at this point, Scissor should have been dropped with all the singles that she has that are killing the charts. But when they when someone on TDE drops a project. Everybody on TDE's Avi on social media yeah, is they turned into yeah. whatever whatever that project is. You know is, what's even crazy is that all the fans of TDE do the same exact thing because I'm I don't remember who it was. I forget who it was, but everybody had the same Avi on Twitter for the longest because they was coming out with an album. I want to say it might have been Isaiah Rashad or it wasn't J Rod. I forgot what artist it was, but I remember because it confused the shit out of me when I first seen it. Like everybody had the same profile picture for weeks. And then I finally came across the TDE page because I don't follow them. But then somebody retweeted something. I was like, wow, this makes a lot of sense. So I don't understand why J. Cole can't hire somebody to do run his social media pages or the Dreamville social media page and have like all the fans do that for them. Like J. Cole, like you said, J. Cole's going to go platinum probably every time he drops an album. He has, so, he has like, I, I, I'm going to throw a number out there, but he has like a couple million followers on social media altogether. Mm-hmm. Just post, their, post that their album came out. That's it. I'm, I don't feel like I'm asking a lot. I feel like I'm asking for the bare minimum at the very least for you to be like, hey, my artist just dropped the album. Go check it out. Send right. That's it. Not hard. Or if they put put out that, I mean, even if the artists themselves put it out, you can just retweet it, brother. Like, somehow somebody's gonna see it. Anything. Like, he he didn't. That's why I kind of feel like J. Cole's even cornier, bro. At least Jay Z would actually promote Memphis Bleak. (laughs) (laughs) Memphis Bleak, he's one hit away. He's one hit away. His whole career. Nigga never dropped another album after that shit, bro. (laughs) I wouldn't either, honestly. I'd have been like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm cooling on this. Man. I don't need to do this shit. 
don't yeah. need to work like this, but hey, but we do know who his name what his name is. I couldn't even tell you five people off of Dreamville, so I know tell you like uh JID and Earth Gang, Ari Linux. And I think that might I know oh okay, Bass is on there, but I don't think he's that good either. And he was on J. Cole's last album singing, so that's like Okay, are you a rapper? Like, why are you on two songs on J. Cole's album not rapping? That I don't know. Future is an R&B legend. He, he don't rap every time he make music. So like, you know, I mean, but if you if you're if you're known as a rapper and I signed you as a rapper, and now you're on my album on two songs and you're not rapping, that kind of sends out a signal to the uh, the fan base that maybe you're not. I don't know. You might be a good vocalist, bro. Sometimes. Might be a better vocalist than he is a rapper, which I mean, that's an issue. But yeah, I ain't signed you to sing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Definitely didn't sign you just, to sing. I mean, you gotta know your lane, bro. For I sure. don't know. Shit. If, if it was me, though, I probably hit my contract obligation up on the Dreamville and just do independent. That seems like a much better way, anyway. I don't oh, yeah. know what their contracts look like though, because if you don't promote your artist and they're not actually selling, they can drop you. I probably try to get dropped more than actually getting out of it. Yeah, just do just just um like you have to put out a certain amount of albums for your to fulfill your contract. Just like just put out as much stuff as you can as quickly as you can and just just to fulfill the obligations. Like I think that's what Drake was doing, where he was just like, Yeah, I have to put out these albums for my contract, so I'm just gonna start putting stuff out. That might explain why a lot of the shit after nothing was the same was so garbage, right? It wasn't great. Like, it wasn't, Fuse, it wasn't it, great. Fuse wasn't even bad. It was just way too long because that shit was like 22 tracks. But then More Life and Scorpion came out. And I was just like, bruh. Drake doesn't know what he wants to be. Like, I think he wants to be a guy who can do R&B and kind of fill in that lane. But he just doesn't want to fully commit to it. And I think that he should he shouldn't be afraid to do that because Drake is gonna do what Drake does. Like no matter what certified lover boy is or what it sounds like or who's on it, it's going to be the number one album that week. Easily. That's just gonna do seven hundred easily that first week. It's gonna be the biggest it's gonna be the biggest album of the year outside of whatever Cardi B does. But Drake should be able to put out like you you hear the title certified lover boy and I'm thinking all right Drake is about to fully commit into this R&B bag like he's going to get in there he's going to start doing his harmonizing and vocalizing and doing whatever he needs to do to kind of give off the vibe of like okay I'm I'm doing this um this singing thing like I'm 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 going all in certified lover boy I'm doing love songs that's what I'm doing, and then he puts out that single with Lil Durk and I'm like, how does that? And, and and it's not fair to judge the album based off of that song because it's almost like judging a movie based on the trailer, but I see certified lover boy and then I listen to Wants and Needs, and I'm like, not Wants and Needs it's it's the uh, what's the song with Durk on it. Whatever the single, um, I know what you're talking about. I don't remember the name. I actually like that song too. Well, I like Dirk's part. I didn't like Drake's part. So, and and that song came out almost a year ago. Laugh now, cry later. 
Yeah. So I listened to that song and I'm like, this doesn't sound like something that would fit under the title of Certified Lover Boy. So that's kind of where my issue is with Drake, where it's just like, hey, man, fully commit to what you want to do. Who's going to stop you? Nobody's going to stop you. Let's see. I think that's a fear of him letting his fans down, I guess. But if I was Drake, I personally, I do one or two things. If I want to do the R&B thing, I would do an EP. Ain't nothing wrong with a little four-banger four, uh, four banger album. Plenty of people do it. Or get a pseudonym and make it under that. Ain't nobody going to, as long as you don't put your face on it, nobody's going to know it's you. So when, when you, you say, literally, when you like say, like, gauge their reaction off that. When you say he doesn't want to disappoint his fans, like, what what fan are you thinking about? Like, what do his fans look like? There's a the whole range of them. I think his core fan base. Yeah, the core is, fan base. His core fan base is women. Let's all be honest about it. They're all women. There's nothing wrong with that because women do dictate what's actually popular in pop culture, especially when it comes to music. If they like it and they want to dance to it, what are the DJs going to play in the clubs? What they want. And then you have the other section that I think makes up the majority of his sales, though, which are young white kids. And if they have an expectation of what Drake makes versus what he might put out, then I can kind of see that section, like the people who actually might be streaming and buying this stuff, that section might not want to hear a purely R&B album because it was like, well, they're fucking white kids. Do they want to hear or just R&B? The women would, the women portion of his fan base would, but then you also have people like me who have listened to Drake since like 2007 when he first started to come out. And then I would hear if Certified Loverboy was a mostly R&B album compared to some of his older stuff, and then he had the one track, uh, laugh, uh, cry. What is it? Uh, laugh, not cry later. I'd be like, Well, you could have left that shit off, but the rest of this is like, Wow, pretty good album. You're just, you're I just, just singing on tracks. I just don't see how he could put together something like if he had a, an album where it's just like it's going to be songs like Controller, <clears throat> One Dance, uh, Passion Fruit, uh, Get It Together, songs like that. I don't know how you're a label and you look at that and say, this isn't going to work. When you, see, when, the crazy when you thing also is, consider like the Passion main... Fruit, like all those songs you just listed were fucking hits when they first came out. And if he, I mean, I didn't like Passion Fruit as much as everybody else. I just was like, hmm. But if you had put the rest of those songs, like you said, on an album together, and it was like four or five songs, that shit would have went platinum first week. Or at least did whatever he, he made. Maybe it did his lowest numbers, but what is Drake's lowest numbers? Like fucking 700,000? Yeah, one Drake, low numbers for Drake are like career numbers for other artists. That's what I'm saying. So he <laughs> still would have, that shit still would have sold. If it didn't go platinum day one, it would have went platinum in day 10. So. so it's like, even if he does have a flop when it comes to sales, like the record label is not going to be upset as far as like, the return on investment for what he does. So, like I said, I think Drake needs to just go, just fully commit to the whole R&B thing. Like, just go for like, it. Drake is Mel Gibson back in, like, the late 80s, early 90s. His name is attached to it. That shit's going to sell. That's yeah. what it is. Or Will, Will Smith. He's a Will Smith. Yeah. Same thing. Will it's Smith like, if his 90s. name's on it, it's going to sell. It's going to be number one 
for at least two weeks. And then fucking two years, people are going to be like, wow, this is actually a classic album because it was nothing but what Drake wanted. It wasn't anything we expected. It wasn't like we didn't have to subvert our expectations because we knew we was going to get a dance song and then a song with Future and then a song about this nigga driving around Toronto every like on a late night. It's just dance songs and R&B songs that was just fucking hits. And that's and that's all we want from our artists. We want them to do what they want to do. Like we want them right. to express express themselves in a way that they want to. Like whether we like it or not, at the end of the day, honestly, it doesn't matter as long as they're doing the art that they want to do. Like obviously, the na- the label would like to make money off of it, but if we're just making music to sell music and to make a profit off of it, we probably don't get like eight ways and heartbreaks. We probably don't get to Pimp a Butterfly. We probably don't get a lot of uh, different projects that have come out within the last 20 years. There's only, there's like a few certain albums that when they come out, they have a different kind of impact because it's like, okay, this is something totally different than what's going on right now, than what's popular. But because of that, people are starting, like, we, we don't get a Yeezus, you know? And honestly, we don't have a lot of artists that are taking those types of chances. And maybe Drake still feels some sort of insecurity where he's like, you know, I'm one of those rappers who still doesn't have a classic to my name. My peer, um, the artist that I had opening for me has now surpassed me lyrically. And now people, maybe now people will start to lose respect for me because now I'm going straight into R&B. So maybe it's a little bit of an insecurity. But I, think but I don't even think I don't think people lose respect for him for going to shirt R and B. I think people are gonna lose respect for him for putting out another dud, bro. Like, who do you know that's still listening to uh, Scorpion? Oh, I don't. Do outside that. of outside of uh, nonstop, yeah. and I don't TikTok for a minute, or even like More Life. Who do you know that's still listening to More Life? Yeah, okay. I do think I listened to. What's that? They ain't really fucked me way back then, but how about now? And that was on More Life, right? Was no, that was a care package? I'm sorry. I'm saying like more people will go and revisit his older stuff versus his new stuff. Like I listened to Marvel's one way before I listened to fucking um, Scorpion. So, or what was on Take Care? That was the album. I listened to Take Care way before I go listen to Scorpion. Better songs on there. Like I said, nothing was the same. It was the closest thing he had to a, a classic. The album was extremely cohesive. It might be like maybe one song that I don't really fuck with. And honestly, I don't even skip it because it's still a pretty good track. But like if he could make because like, I think like I saw the growth in Drake between Take Care and Nothing Was the Same. And then at the same time, he also dropped if you're reading this is too late. So it was like Drake was able to show a more intimate side of him as a rapper, but then he also was like, yeah, but I can still make this shit over here too. So it was like, bro, you can still do both. You were able to do both at one point. What's stopping you now? Exactly. Drake should be able to do whatever he wants. Like, who who's going to tell LeBron James not to make Space Jam too? Nigga's the mm-hmm. best basketball player in the world. Not a damn person. Ain't no exactly. one being like... He nah, is the LeBron James of fucking rap right now. Nobody's going to tell you not to do shit. I mean, they might suggest you not, but they're not going to stop you. 
Shit, Space yeah. Jam overtook Black Widow just just today. Niggas is watching the shit. So niggas, niggas gonna buy your album or they gonna listen to it at the very least. Niggas was breaking that down like it was like going to be up for the Oscars this year. And like, you know what's crazy is I watched both today. I will say this: the original Space Jam, I still think it's a good movie. I laughed my ass off through the whole thing. Space Jam Two had laughs. It was not a bad movie. The plot was a lot fucking better because they actually explained some shit. It's not a bad movie. It's just you're fucking thirty. You're not probably gonna enjoy it. So. If you don't want to watch it, just don't fucking watch it. I don't understand. I mean, I don't like LeBron that much, but it's just like, why you hate LeBron so fucking much, right? Get a job. But you can't deny some. You can't. You can't really deny him as a ball player. You can't, bro. I was like, I yeah, that nigga gatekeep because they they want to protect the players that they love from their era and you know whatnot. So <laughs> any chance right, they bro. get to crap on LeBron. They do it like I, I don't see how it's a kids movie. It accomplished its job at the end of the day. Um, it it was something for kids to watch. It's number one in America, which I was actually surprised that it you know beat out uh, Black Widow. But it's just like with with certain people, and that's you know with the conversation we had earlier. Like the end of the day, you gotta be able to grow with the times, or you're gonna age yourself out of the game. Like. There are some things that I mean, like I, I grew up, I didn't really see the, the first part of Jordan. I seen from maybe about 92, 93, all the way up to the Wizards. Um, and then of course I, I relived some of the stuff via YouTube and other highlights. And I mean, he, he was the he still is the best I've ever seen. But if somebody wants to tell me that Kobe's better, I mean, I seen Kobe from day one all the way up to you know his untimely demise. Uh, same with LeBron. Minus the untimely demise. I've seen him from day one. If somebody wants to say either one of those guys is better, you know, that's their opinion, and it's cool. And and you can make – you can validate either or. Like, to me, uh, Kobe was shitted on because of the, the Colorado incident out of multiple MVPs that we know he should have won. Um, especially over Steve Nash, bro. What the yeah, fuck especially over about? the Steve Nash and one over Duncan. I think he should have four MVPs and not just one. But I mean, it kind of is what it. I, I do. I do. I honestly, he do should that. at least have two, bro. I don't know if he can have four, but there should be two to his name at the very least. It should be at least three because he he should have won over both of those Steve Nashes. Steve <laughs> Nash didn't have twenty points those years. Like that was ridiculous. That'd be the equivalent of, of John Stockton winning MVP over freaking Michael Jordan. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> You look at the stats. You know, it would have been. It's probably even worse though, because like Kobe was, Kobe was going insane those years. Like I can't even say Jordan put up those kind of numbers in those two years, bro. Like, yeah, I would literally have to look. Yeah, without looking, he did. Like uh, Jordan's best year was better than Kobe's year, and that was the year where he went like thirty-five, eight and eight, and got the Defensive Player of the Year as well as the MVP. He also averaged almost forty a game. I was like 37 and some change. So he's he's had the, the point production and the defensive production that Kobe had. And the years that Steve Nash won, he had the same production as freaking uh as freaking John Stockton, like 17 and 13. And you're that's the league MVP. Over a guy that's putting up over 30 a game. Six and six. And winning championships, bro. Like what? Disgusting. 
that's what we talked about with the with the gatekeeping, like the end of the day, and that's the same thing with people that try to like with the Drake argument. I will say, first off, I liked his first. They call it an album now, but it was a mixtape at the time. I like that. I think that's the best, most complete work he did as an artist. I didn't like Thank Me Later. I didn't really care for Marvin's Room. I thought it was better than Thank Thank Me Later. Um, and then it's like from there, he just went on to just be this hit maker. And it's a lot of stuff he puts out that I like, but it's no classic. I really didn't like Scorpion all too well. It's got a couple of redeemable tracks, but it's it's just not very good. Like the R&B was a little ass and, and the rapping was a little ass too. But I mean, ass, bro. there's no memorable tracks of Scorpion. It's not for nonstop. And now, like I said, that shit was just trendy at one point. No, I think God's plan and um but oh, nice for what? God, God's like plan God's and then yeah, but I'm saying like God's plan and nice for what it did not stop. Two of those songs were TikTok songs, and then God's plan was just fucking everywhere. Yeah. So I agree with you. I mean, I don't know. Like I feel like as far as the gatekeeping on the NBA, that's only in the NBA. Like, if you watch tennis, like, I mean, when I get when I watch tennis, I kind of go in a deep dive of like who are greats, especially with the black players. Nobody says that Arthur, Ashe, like, people will say Arthur Ashe is good and he was great, but nobody would be like, okay, well, Serena and Venus can't be as great as Arthur Ashe. They would literally be Serena and Venus. And then you got Coco and, and um, What's the and Naomi? So you have those two coming up now, and then nobody's ever going to be like, "Well, those two are never going to be as good, or they're not going to win as much, or because of something that happened along their career, they didn't win as many in a row." Like you only see that in basketball. Same thing with football. Like people will say Joe Montana's like top ten quarterbacks, but then when you actually start to get into the moderate stats, like them niggas, like him, Dan Marino. Uh, Johnny Unitas. Wait a minute, Dan Marino still has stats. Dan Marino still has stats. Yes, yeah. But then, but you like I say, you still you still see them starting to fall out. Like people are starting to be like, well, Patrick Mahomes is like that man is literally great. Like we're seeing something we've never seen before with him or with Tom Brady. Tom Brady's still playing, but you only see that in NBA and specifically with Michael Jordan. Like, yeah, you get some old cats that be like, well, yeah, well, what about Bill Russell? You got 11 rings. I was like, nigga, I wasn't even alive when he won 11 of those 11 rings. So how can I say? Like, and then that's the other thing. I was like, bro, who the fuck is he playing? Like, I don't even know anybody else from Bill Russell's era to be even yeah, saying Yeah, they had like yeah. 10 niggas in the whole league. Like, let's. Exactly. Them niggas was putting up like, like 30 opposed. and 40 rebounds a game average. <laughs> like they were just the only like, him and Wilt were like the only two tall niggas in exactly. there. Exactly. Like, we don't have no visual proof that Wilt dropped a hundred points. We just got we sure don't. Like, nothing. None of them can match up against Shaq. Can't match up against Hakeem. Hakeem would exactly. Hakeem Olajuwon will work here. the fuck out of Wilt Chamberlain right now. I mean, definitely right now because that nigga dead. But that's not the point. Put them <laughs> both in their prime. That nigga is working the fuck out of Will Chamberlain. But uh I don't know. Like I like I remember when like I remember there was a time when people used to shit on Kobe before he passed away. 
I was just like, bro, do y'all not understand how great Kobe is? And I was like, is it because there was no break in between Jordan and Kobe? And then now we got LeBron and LeBron is fucking great. So y'all got to be like, well, fuck Kobe, LeBron. And now it's going to start being, well, fuck LeBron, fuck KD. There's Giannis. So which you can't weird. This is my whole thing. I will take this to my grave. The thing with Kobe was the Colorado stuff. Um, him wanting Shaq out of there, him demanding a trade, pulling it back, and his inefficiency sometimes. Those are the things that really were a knock on him. And to be honest, once again, I don't try to sugarcoat stuff. I was alive during that time. We were all alive during that time. In the end of his career, I remember them saying before he tore the Achilles, he was no longer a top 25 player in the NBA. He was inefficient. He was selfish for the contract he was taking. That's why he'll never win another championship again. I remember all of those words being said, and it's like when he died, all that was just forgiven. No, no, yeah, he's the greatest of all time. He he is. The only people that were actually 100% down with Kobe were Lakers fans and Mm -hmm. were the people from our era that actually watched him from 96 on up until 2016 and do his 20 years. Like It was people that I remember saying, Tim Duncan is better. Dirk Nowitzki is better. All these people are just so much better than him. He's just a volume scorer, and they negate. And I'm, I'm saying, I'm not saying I said that. This is saying, like, right no fucking way. You're saying this. They were capping that hard. Like, it's not the. You know case. what I'm saying, like, bro. I see. Like, I remember. I saw Jordan three peat the second time, and then I seen Tim Duncan and David Robinson win theirs. And then after that, it was fucking Shaq and Kobe. And I was like, at what point do you think that Kobe, like before Shaq came to the Lakers, that little stretch of time, I was like, yeah, Kobe was kind of ass. But I was like, after he that. He was the whole time, to be honest, because he signed that that. Yeah, summer. that's true. Yeah, and then he got hurt. True. He did sign. But I'm saying, though, like there was a time, like there was a time where they weren't the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. But then when they got to be in the Shaq and Kobe Lakers, until Shaq left, and even still after that, it was like, at what point do you say that Kobe was trash? I was like, maybe his rookie season, and even still, you might be lying. He was just not great. So yeah, I think the the first year Eddie Jones started over him. The second year he was getting better. That third year he was starting to ascend big time, and then I want to say maybe about the fourth year, um, that was when we were starting to get like when they went against the 76ers in the finals, that was when we knew, okay, this dude is going to be a superstar. Like he, he's not completely there, but he's closing in on superstar level. And then from then on, like that next year on, until that third championship with Shaq, like he, he was really that dude. Like it was really 1A, 1B on who was the better on that team. And then, like mm-hmm. I said, they just kind of, I don't know, like I was listening to a guy earlier and he was just kind of saying, that he kind of believes that maybe because it did take guys like a Kobe, guys like a Garnett a little longer to cook compared to like your bird, Magic, Jordan, even LeBron, they entered the league and they were that dude. You know, like Jordan entered the league and he was unstoppable. He made the all-star game his like as a rookie and was cooking dudes before he got to the league. Uh, that USA basketball team that he was on prior to the dream team, cooking everybody left and right. No concern for anybody on that um, 84 team. And 
maybe because it took Kobe a little longer, but at the end of the day, you got to respect his game. Like he, he is an all time great. I don't think that you can really name a better shooting guard outside of Jordan than him. Um, unless you want to like maybe throw, I, I throw AI as a, as a shooting guard. I don't consider him as a point guard, but you know, once again, you just got to stop gatekeeping. Like I know there was something said earlier about Russ. I do think Russ had a small window where he was a superstar when he first was hitting those triple doubles and he was that dude. You could be a superstar and not shoot. Shout out to Giannis. <laughs> but, you know, because they're about to win a championship uh, in a couple Ooh. days. And he's going to be that dude for a long time as long as he don't get a major injury. But, you know, that's just my point on it. I mean, I thought we was going to be smoking that reindeer rust by this weekend, but <laughs> wrong as fuck, bro. Wrong as fuck. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I like Giannis, though, bro. Like, that nigga be hooping out of his fucking mind. And that's why I think, like, because there's going to be such a small transition of when KD is going to be recognized as the best basketball player in the league, and then it's going to jump straight to Giannis, which his window might be a little smaller than – um then probably whoever is going to come behind him because he has been in the league for a little bit. It's just going to, people are going to start shitting on KD extremely hard right when LeBron retires. And it's going to be crazy because it was like, bro, all of y'all have been watching KD this whole time. How are y'all going to turn y'all backs on him right now? Now, wait a minute. Hold on. There are people out there that say minus the, the, the Achilles injury and all that, like from the, two years, two of the final years with Golden State to this year, they feel like he's better than LeBron now because they feel like he's, uh, you know, probably the best pure scorer of all time, his length, different stuff like that. And, and you know, with LeBron, he's really declined on defense big time. So there, there are people that are trying to make the case for him, even over a Giannis or an AD and stuff like that. And I mean, I, I respect it. You know what? At the end of the day, in this playoffs, he was he was hooping. He was yeah, hooping. that especially Game Seven, bro. Game Seven against the Bucks, he was going there. Like, and I mean, people are gonna say, "Well, James Harden was there," but I was like, "Bro, James Harden wasn't even healthy in that game." So I was like, "I don't even know if you can count that." That was pretty much the KD show that last game, and had he hit that shot, or no, had they actually called it a three instead of a two? It would have been them versus the Hawks, and then the Hawks probably would have got their ass worked severely because you're not stopping KD when he is in the zone. Like, I mean, Giannis is pretty hard to stop on his own, too. No, but... no, no, Chris Middleton. <laughs> Chris Middleton, because they couldn't stop him. Uh, all right, but that's not the point. Had they had to play Brooklyn instead of Milwaukee, them niggas would have probably got beat in four games because KD. I didn't like how many points did he drop that last game? 40, 48. Shit was 40 something. Insane. Insane. And dog, if he was like that the entire series against the Bucks, what was going to stop him playing against Atlanta? Who was stopping that in Atlanta? Well, nobody can stop Kevin Durant, though. That's the thing with him. He's, he's shown to be an unstoppable scoring threat. And then on the subject of LeBron declining on defense, that nigga's fucking 36 years old. Like, how much defense yeah, are you expecting? Yeah. yeah, it was like, that nigga's 36. Like, what do you really expect from him? And that nigga's still playing at a high level. So it's not like he's just letting people walk past him. It's just Yeah, you can, you can say he's still elite. Um, yeah, he's, he's still he, at the top of his game right now. 
He's right. not like he's not the elite defender he was in Miami. And in Miami, exactly. he, was, he was like defensive player of the year candidate level like defender. He's not that. He's still he's still good enough to be like, all right, he can lock you down, but he's not the guard one through five, like and at a high level the entire game type player anymore. Right. It's just he's losing a step, which makes a lot of sense to me. It's like, I mean, he's gonna be 37 going into the next season. Facts. I'm 32. I couldn't do that shit right now. So you can't really <laughs> say that nigga's trash. I would not say that. I would definitely not say that. <laughs> but, but see, uh, and then that's another thing. I was like, yeah, see, like, I don't know. LeBron hate is like a weird thing in his own way. So weird. like, why do you why do you hate LeBron? Like, what did LeBron do to you? LeBron went so long being oh, no, no, that no. guy until he went to Miami. And then everybody just fucking was like, fuck LeBron. I was like, what? No, the thing is, is that he beat your team. He beat <laughs> all of your teams. Like probably my team, well, hold on. He didn't beat my team one year, but then we got beat by the Lakers, and I was like, "What the fuck happened?" Well, he beat Dwight, he beat not Dwight Howard, but he beat a, he beat a lot of people's teams. He kept a lot of people's faves from winning t- championships and getting to the finals. And and like, if you're if you're a Bulls fan, you hate LeBron. If you're a Celtics fan, you hate LeBron. If you're a Wizards fan, you hate LeBron. If you're a uh, 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 Blazers fan, you hate LeBron. If you're a Clippers fan, you hate LeBron. If you're a Detroit fan, you hate LeBron. If you're a Cleveland fan, you hate LeBron. If you're a Miami fan, you probably now hate LeBron now because he left. There's no way because that nigga just got you two rings. Well, no, and and because well, because then he left and then he won a ring against you. So I'm not not like hate, but you probably have. I could see how someone that is a Miami fan would hate LeBron. But the, the the point is, is like. If you're a Bucks fan, you probably hate LeBron. If you're a Toronto fan, you hate LeBron. If you're a fan of any team in the Eastern Conference over the last 12 years, you probably hate LeBron. And that's in the that's the thing. Like he's a winner. He wins. Like I hate Tom Brady because he's always beating my team. Like my <laughs> Peyton Manning probably has three Super Bowl rings if Tom Brady and the Patriots don't exist. So I will always hate them. <laughs> I mean, I hate Tom Brady too because he beat my team in the Super Bowl twice. That's besides the point. I actually kind of relaxed my head a little bit because I was like, I mean, the nigga's just fucking great. You can't hate that. At some point, you got to just let that shit go because it's like, bro, that man's just great. Fuck that dude. I mean, I feel that. You have to respect these people, and I think that's what the thing is. I think it's, you know, like I even see from Atlanta fans, I hate to say it, I know some Atlanta fans and some Miami fans are like, hell no, I don't want to see Giannis. And I'm like, what? What did he do to you? Like, you know, that what is he supposed to just let you guys win? Like, Milwaukee and Miami is not like a legit beef on some personal stuff. Um, and, and so in Atlanta, y'all are lucky to even be there. So why, why are you hating on <laughs> yeah. You know, like all of a sudden you have all these Phoenix fans just because they're mad because they're, you know, their team's lost. But it's just like at the end of the day, even with LeBron, I, I have always been a fan of the man he is. Like, he is a great player. He's not my all. He's not my number one all time. But he he's he's an all time great easily. I mean, as a generational talent, bro, you're not gonna see that shit ever again, ever. I ain't gonna say that because you do. You know, Zion, if he develops a, a jump it, shot, he, he got to get a, he, his issue. Ain't even that. He got to get off the Pelicans, bro. They're not gonna do enough for him. You got to leave that team. But he's he's a, he's a great player. He's, he has he's a great player. Athletics to do it. Uh, he's he's definitely probably going to be the face of the NBA going forward if he can get it together a little bit more. But it's just, 
you know, people just you, you hate LeBron for no reason. The same reason I remember as a kid, there were people who hated Jordan because he just won too much. Like they just and it's just like he this guy is at the time when, when it all was said and done, he's the greatest of all time. Why are you hating him? Those people that hated Kobe because they won too much. They hated Shaq because they won too much. It's, it's just like a problem. People, they want you to win, but they don't want you to win too much, even with Brady. Now, I will admit, I don't think he's the greatest quarterback of all time. I think he was a part of the greatest dynasty of all time. He is an all-time great. But just purely from a talent perspective and just the way things operate, and, and I hate Peyton Manning. I hate I despise the Colts almost as much as I hate the Titans. It's very close. But Peyton Manning is the greatest I've ever seen. Like the things that he can do, and it's like I'm not going to sit here and discount the dude because he hurt his neck. He wasn't able to play 25 years or into his 40s and damn their 50s like the rest of these guys uh, because he hurt his neck. But just some of the things and the way that he innovated the game, even though he didn't have the t- like top-level talent, like until he hit the league, we had never seen a player take command of an offense the way we've seen Peyton Manning. We've never seen a player that put up some of the, the mind-boggling statistics the way that we've seen Peyton Manning do. So in my, from what I've seen, I'll always say Peyton Manning is the greatest just top to bottom. But if you want to tell me that Tom Brady is because he has rings or because he's of longevity or stuff like that, I respect you, you know, at the end of the day, because a case can be made for both. Like, And that's just how it has to be. You have to evolve. Even with Aaron Rodgers, I don't think he has the hardware, Everybody has a fucking crybaby. Like, Hold the fuck up. I will uh, slander Aaron Rodgers to the day I fucking die. And you can that do this. Nigga That's is cool. a fucking crybaby. You cannot deny that dude's arm talent. He's talented. I mean, he's not arm talent, but there's like six other quarterbacks in the league with arm talent. So, I don't know about Aaron Rodgers not doing. I don't know. I'm just yeah. saying, I don't think Aaron Rodgers out there doing nothing that anybody else can do in the league. Like, you can say that about Peyton Manning. Nobody's doing what Peyton Manning is going to do for the Colts. Put somebody else with arm talent in Green Bay. Dumb niggas going to the playoffs every year. Go put Aaron Rodgers on one of them, them uh, C tier teams. Go put him in Oakland or I guess uh, Las Vegas. You think he's taking Las Vegas to the uh, playoffs? Yeah. Yes. And that AFC West division with Patrick Mahomes going to the Chiefs two times a year. If he was with the Jaguars the last two years, with as sorry as our rosters have been, you think he taking y'all to? The we playoffs? would be in the playoffs. We'd be competing for division titles. He's that good. Like I, I'm not I even capping. His arm talent is unreal. Like him, Mahomes. You know they they got they make throws. I remember South Breeze and I, because South Breeze is an avid um, Aaron Rodgers hater, and I remember when he made this. Big time throw against Dallas one time on TV. And it was like a throw that you'd never seen. Like it was down the field, on the run, across his body, dime. And I was like, man, you're you're not even gonna see stuff like this ever again. This guy, it's just stuff that he could do that other people just cannot do. Like you can't stack eight against him. You'll be lucky to even put seven or six in the box against him. He has a little bit of wheels. Like he, he's he's a really good quarterback. He really is. And this is a guy. I'm from Mississippi. 
um, my god dad actually played with Brett Favre at at um Southern Miss. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I was a huge Brett Favre fan until he, you know, became a pervert and doing yeah, all showing his dick at everybody and taking GHB. Yeah, and you know, holding team sabotage and stuff like that. But you know, this Aaron Rodgers, he, he's that dude for real. He's there, right? If Aaron Rodgers wasn't so much of a diva, I'd probably be okay with saying he's great. Like, I do believe that current plan, I think, is like top three. Like, you're not naming, you're not naming five quarterbacks better than Aaron Rodgers right now, but still, that nigga is a fucking diva. And I just be like, bro, like this whole thing, like every time I like glance at ESPN, is he gonna leave? Is he gonna, I was like, bro, you know what the fuck he's gonna do? Change the topic. I do not want him anywhere close to my team because I do believe he is the downfall of a great offense or at least a great coaching staff because we realize even though that nigga went to Dallas and they were still kind of mid, it's not entirely his fault that they was not doing what they was doing. So you get all the quarter, you can get all the fucking DCs, all the offensive coordinators, all the head coaches you want. Aaron Rodgers still going to be the center of that problem. So, Maybe he just needs to be somewhere else where he might be happy and that won't be a problem. But until then, even if that nigga had went to L.A., I probably would have still slandered him. Still my quarterback, you still will catch some heat, bro. I'll be honest with you, bro. I was just like, bro, I don't see it. Like, everybody be like, that nigga's fucking great. And I just be like, I mean, one Super Bowl with 10 Now, what, what's your team? The Rams. But you're from... Georgia? I'm from, Florida. I'm from Florida. It's a whole thing with them being the greatest show on turf back in the early 2000s. Okay, I get you. Uh, okay. Dan Wagon, I've been there since then. Okay. And all the other team, all my other teams are from Florida, so except for them. I don't know how you Speaking do it, but you know, hey, it, it is what it is. Hey, the niggas put me through a lot, so. Guys, we got a record ain't nobody broke yet, so. Is that? Brian on that for fucking twenty years and one Super Bowl. Marcus That nigga passed out. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, you got tired of me slandering Aaron Rodgers. You couldn't take it over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just listening. Obviously, I'm listening to to the takes, man. I'm listening to the takes. Uh, you know who was super pre- supreme ass in the Pat Statter since we just talking shit. Fucking Drew Brees. Why did oh. he last so goddamn long in the league, bro? White privilege. That nigga had a fucking noodle arm. This the fucking writer was on the wall at least five years ago. They should have been. They should have been moved on from that dude. I'm like, bro, how many times are they gonna <laughs> let this this dude throw a fucking duck in the end zone and get y'all season ended, man? Like, hang it up, hang it up. But then he'd be like, there'd be like three times a year where he'd throw like fucking 600 yards in one game. And he'd just be like, yeah, that nigga still kind of got it. So, I mean, that's that's the thing about the, the all-time greats. Like, they'll give it to you maybe like once or twice a year, but it's all about the consistency. And he just doesn't have it. He didn't have the arm, stre- arm strength to keep playing the way he needed to. So, watch that nigga every fucking Sunday, especially when they play the Bucks, bro. That's just like, bro, why the fuck is he still a quarterback? Even though they lit the Bucks up twice last year, still though, I just like sometimes I just be like, dog, Drew Brees should have retired. Like, I'll be honest, he probably should have retired after the second time they was about to go to the Super Bowl and they fucking lost. He should have retired then. Yeah, at some point, it's like how much pain and suffering can he deal with? Mm-hmm. 
I would have been like, yeah, fuck this game. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But, yeah, I think we got to wrap because I got to go put gas in wife's car so she doesn't have to do it in the morning. So uh, we definitely appreciate you coming on. We got Thank another God. got another three-hour one in the books. We did it. Hey. All right, if y'all boys definitely, y'all definitely hit me up if y'all want to do the whole Jay Z crit thing. We can make that one whole episode. I got plenty of slander. Yeah, we definitely got to do the Jay Z thing. All right, any shout outs before we log out? Mm-hmm. Shout out to all the big titty queens and all the girls that ain't afraid to pee a little bit in the bed. Y'all the real ones. Y'all, <laughs> please, please follow this. <laughs> Please follow this man on Twitter, man. Just do that. That's all I got. How are y'all afraid of Pete, bro? It comes out of the same place, guys. Fucking. Hey, yo, you be easy, that GA boy. <laughs> I Represent. Be out. I respect it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's great. <laughs>